real quick before we start the podcast. I forgot to mention it in the episode, so I wanted to say it here. I was on another podcast, and if you want a chance to listen to it, it's episode 23 of My One Black Friend and My One White Friend, and that's the number one. Okay, it's not spelled out O-N-E, it's the number one. So do a search for it on your Apple Podcasts or your Spotify or whatever the fuck you're listening to shit on. So give it a listen. Thank you. Enjoy the episode. Oh, and we're going to have a bonus podcast probably coming out Wednesday or Thursday. I don't know. You'll see. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long runtime as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned pop thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, or a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 331. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, hate it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. The only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And And we're we're the Leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, we did it that week, this week. Yeah, really solid too. Ten for ten. All right, Jake. I want you to fill in the uh, fill in the blank here. When I get that uh, feeling, I need. Oh shit! It sounds so familiar, but I don't know what it is. Marvin Gaye. Um, when I get that feeling, I need Marvin Gaye. No, not Marvin Gaye. Hold on. Let me let me bring in our guest, Jacob Harmon. From Brute Force and Ignorance of Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Welcome. I believe the answer you're looking for is when I get that feeling, I need some sexual healing. Amen, brother. (laughs) Amen, brother. You got it. When I get that feeling, I need sexual healing. Come on, Jake. Now you know it, right? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just not attuned to uh, Marvin Gaye hits right now. Oh, my God. I don't Harmon. Are you looking to co-host a podcast? <laughs> I will be there co-hosting the Marvin Gaye Hour anytime you need it. I've been secretly hosting auditions for a replacement. That's what the last few weeks have been. It's not so secret anymore. It never really was that secret. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Yeah, hold on. Hold on. 
if you ever want to get me tooed, just read the mar the the lyrics for this fucking song to a woman. <laughs> I am not kidding you. Like this guy is so fucking horny in this song. It is unreal how horny this man is. It is fucking crazy. He's basically giving you like a forecast of what's going on, up-to-date forecast, minute by minute, of what's going on in his ball sack. It is insane. <laughs> I'm just going to read this flat. Baby, I'm hot just like an oven. I need some loving. And baby, I can't hold it much longer. It's getting stronger and stronger. Baby, I got sick this morning. A sea was storming inside me. Baby, I think I'm capsizing. The waves are rising and rising. And when I get that feeling, I want sexual healing. Sexual healing is good for me. It makes me feel so fine. It's a rush. Helps to relieve the mind, and it's good for us. Sexual healing, baby, it's good for me. Sexual healing, it's something that's good for me. You're my medicine. Open up and let me in. Darling, you're so great. I can't wait for you to operate. You're my medicine. Open up and let me in. Darling, you're so great. I can't wait for you to operate. That song could just be called Blue Balls. Oh, my God. This guy needs to fucking just... I, I wonder what the song after that is, after he gets his sexual healing. It's like, baby, I just want to go to bed. Yeah, I was going to say lots of snoring <laughs> yeah. to a to a bass line. Do you, do you think on the Spotify playlist it switches to Otis Redding's Cigarettes and Coffee? Yeah, basically. <laughs> I don't. Do you think there's a lot of pillow talk after that, or do you think Marvin Gaye just passed out? We're hearing it, Marvin Gaye snoring. Snoring, for sure. You have to listen to the track backward to hear it, though. <laughs> I always remember Marvin Gaye music being the thing, like in like '80s sitcoms, people would play when they were getting ready to to get busy. Oh yeah, yeah. At Luther Vandross too. Oh, that's a good one as well. Yeah, Luther. Jesus Christ! Everybody fucked the Luther. I, I guarantee you, a lot of a lot of babies created listening to Luther Vandross. A lot of babies. Yeah. Who do you think's number one conception music? Like just pure oh, numbers. Fuck. Cisco. That's a great question. Cisco, Cisco doesn't have enough hits. Cisco, right? No, that thong song just did it all right there. <laughs> that was en that was enough, Jake. Just did dong da dong dong dong, and it was like a lot of guys, a lot of women were getting dong da dong dong donged after that song. <laughs> Seven babies were just made you singing that. Part. I know. Yeah, it's true. Holy shit, we just brought life into the goddamn world. <laughs> hey, welcome to our. Uh, this would have been the week we reviewed Black Widow episode. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, boy. My Our downloads are not even going to be close to what they would have been if oh. we reviewed Black Widow. I know. I know. You know, um, we are going to be talking about Black Widow this week, but it's not its not the movie, and it's not the rumors. Nothing like that. So we are talking Black Widow this week. Yeah, this is actually the first May since 2006 that there wasn't a Marvel movie release. Oh, man. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, very wild. And, and I, you know what? Right now, the only the only virus I'm suffering from, not even suffering from, is the har Harmona virus. That's the Harmon virus. <laughs> I'm very infectious and you, uh, you know highly contagious. <laughs> yeah, when I get that feeling, I need Harmon's sexual healing. <laughs> 
That got oh, weird. I'm making up a bunch of bumper stickers with that. That got super weird. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is crazy. I, I, I want to read this. I, I was reading on Reddit today, and somebody posted this. And they, they put, in 1979's Alien, the alien only had four minutes of total screen time. Vader had eight minutes, six seconds in 1977 Star Wars. Jaws only had four minutes screen time. Less can be more. And uh, those stats, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, that is crazy. Jurassic Park 1 kind of has the same thing going on, too, where the actual amount of dinosaurs is not very much. Right. Yeah. Kill Bill. Bill was only in there 10 minutes. Uh, uh, the aliens and signs were in that movie for 90 seconds. Yeah, less is definitely more when it comes to alien movies. Like, just the more you see of it, uh-huh. the more hokey it tends to get. Yeah, but it's like after the first one, when, you know, with all the suspense and everything, they just were like, more aliens. We need more aliens is what they said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the next, the sequel is just plural. They just added the S to the end. But I, I still love aliens. That's James Cameron at his, one of his finest films. I love aliens. I still love it. Yeah, me too. Peak James Cameron Listen for to aliens. One. I think the uh, the amount of screen time that any kind of monster gets sets it apart from like a true horror movie versus a action horror movie. Mm. There's definitely like a correlation there. Yeah, yeah, because the first Alien movie is a horror movie, and the second one's James Cameron doing an action film. <laughs> Did you ever see the uh, the screen test or the the suit test from the original Alien yes. movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. That is the freakiest thing ever. That's more terrifying yeah. than the actual movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. The actor that did that, just like, what was he like? Crazy tall. Crazy tall and lanky. And he fit in that suit. And he was a weird-looking guy. And then you put him in that that suit with that mask on. And, ugh. After reading off all those stats, somebody posted on this. They they replied, and they go, that's nothing. Blair Witch, zero seconds. I fucking love it. <laughs> I fucking love it, man. That's fucking brilliant. That is good. And it created a whole fucking found footage genre, you know? Oh, yes. So many fucking found footage movies for the next three, four years. Yeah. So only two of them may be good. (laughs) Um, And the Jaws thing is really weird, though, because the Jaws thing wasn't even a creative decision. That was like, oh, shit, we're on set and this shark looks terrible. How can we work around this? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. There, there's a lot of podcasts where they talk about like the making of Jaws. I've listened to a couple, but I don't know. I don't know what the definitive one is. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, so much of it was created out of necessity because of what they were stuck with on any given day. Yeah. Ah, uh, let's see here, Harmon. Glad to have you here. It is very good to be here, and I'd like to congratulate you guys on seven years of podcasting. That is insane. Yeah, seven years. Seven Thank years. You, Although many? I do have some uh, some issues with the condiment talk from previous week. Oh, what was, uh, uh, what, uh, what's your stance on that on the condiments? Miracle Whip is fucking beautiful. It is a, it is garbage. It is garbage. I need that zest, baby. You put that on top of a nice cheeseburger, you're good to go. I'm just saying. That's one of those miracles that uh Jesus would denounce. Like I he's like <laughs> Jesus is like he's like I had nothing to do with that with his hands up. I had not not me. It looks like he dropped a hot potato or something, you know what I mean? Not, 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 not me. Jesus's lesser-known brother Cletus invented miracle whip and it's delicious. I just made water into wine and walked on water. Uh, you know, I, I'm all my shit's water based. I'm like fucking Aquaman. 
<laughs> man, Miracle Whip is gross. I can't believe we have a Miracle Whip person on I this know. podcast. I don't know. Oh, it's but... so good. Oh, it's, I don't know, You need man. that tang. That tang. I'll fucking, I'll drink the astronaut drink, the powder shit. I'll, if I want tang, I'll drink tang. Do you even sell Tang anymore? I don't know, man. I yes. grew up on Tang. I grew up on – Jake would know. You work in a grocery store. I grew up on Tang. That's the fucking – oh, man. Every breakfast in the morning was Tang. Yeah, it comes in the same containers like Country Time Lemonade comes in these days. Okay. Yeah. The Did you guys hear you about the, uh, the issues with Jell-O? No. Oh, what's going and on with Jell-O? Jell-O sales are at an all-time low. People don't want to eat Jell-O anymore. And they don't know how the company is going to restructure to make it marketable to a more health-centric generation. I would, you know, I would come out with a fucking like Spike commercial. Oh, there's no room for Jello. Fuck you then. (laughs) (laughs) That'd make me go buy some Jello. The Jello is like made by Kraft or something, though, right? It's not like some company is going to. Not like people are going to be in the streets begging for food because Jello is not being bought. Dude, if you take it away, if you take it away. Just take it away for a few months. Do like what they did with Hostess. Fucking take yeah. it away. And then, now everybody loves Ding Dongs and Twinkies. <laughs> oh, where's my Ding Dongs and Twinkies? Well, why weren't you buying them when they were out there before? Did you ever go to the Hostess, like the Hostess stores and shit? Where they had like the Hostess bakeries that you could go into? I've never been to one of those. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, I worked at a restaurant and I had to go to the Hostess store to pick up loaves of bread. I love if I could fucking bottle the smell of a hostess bread store and just fucking like I don't know have like one like a like a Febreze hostess scent that I could just spray in my house I would be so happy I love the smell of that fucking place it is a good smell oh especially if they get a bunch of those like the the pre made pies and stuff there yeah ah cool. oh, it's so good it's a wonderful smell Jake you missed out you missed out on that, on that wonderful smell. <laughs> Yeah, I'll live. Uh, yeah, I, crap, I, I wasn't worried about a life or death matter, but you are missing out, sir. You are missing <laughs> out. Didn't that make you hungry, though? How could you smell that smell and then not start stuffing Twinkies in your face? Um, restraint? I, I mean, you know. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Oh, <laughs> uh, we got another one. Some guy just like ripping open Twinkies and fucking eating them on the floor. <laughs> oh, fuck, we got another one. Twink rage! <laughs> oh my god! Ah. iTunes reviews. You guys ready for that? I'll just call it iTunes review because that's all we got. Sweet. Yeah, here we go. iTunes reviews. It's one star five. We don't give a fuck because we really love to hear just how much we suck. Guys, Chris Dubach and your host is a jerk. I'm an opinionated asshole whose dick don't work. All right, this iTunes review is uh, from Ricky Isbell, and it's titled Promote Social Distancing and Listen to This Podcast. It's a five-star. Jake, I feel like you have something to say about that. Oh, you're forming an opinion as I speak, <laughs> aren't you? Aren't you? I, I don't know. I'm interested to see if the uh, actual review also speaks of social distancing and how, how we help that. Oh, so it needs – there's a theme here that he's created with the title, and the rest of the review needs to coincide with said theme. Yeah, because if it doesn't, it, it kind of feels like an insult. Ah, okay. During these crazy times, I, I think – yeah, I think we're going through a crazy time right now. 
I think that uh, I think I, I think a connection has been made, sir. <laughs> <laughs> You might be right. During these crazy times, one of the biggest things I miss is to hang out with friends and just talk about the movies, games, and TV shows. Well, this podcast goes a long ways to filling that need. Just throw in your earbuds and listen to four hours of friends talking about anything and everything pop culture. Thanks, guys, for keeping us entertained. And if you get lucky... Brian will get drunk during the podcast, and you will hear even more crazy stuff. <laughs> Are people going to get lucky this episode? Dude, I'm fucking drinking uh, pineapple margarita. I'm drinking 1800, the ultimate margarita, and it's uh, pineapple flavored. I got watermelon on standby if I need it, people. Oh, that sounds good, a watermelon oh, margarita. The pineapple's fantastic. The watermelon tastes like a watermelon Jolly Rancher. Oh, yum. I would drink That's that right now flavor. if I had it. It's a fantastic flavor, Harmon. Do you remember the old Jolly Ranchers that were the fucking flat sticks that you used to lick on? I don't think so. You remember I those? I don't remember that either. Oh, yeah, they were like a flat stick, and you would fucking uh, un undo the wrapper, and you could just lick this flat stick of fucking... Okay, okay, and they'd be like a quarter, 50 cents? Yeah. About the size of an airhead? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Boom. You nailed it, sir. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember those. That, okay. I could I like suck on it for a bit and then just throw it away. Like who fucking saves something like that and then gets back to it later? I've been working on one for 12 years, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> In the goddamn freezer as we speak, sir. I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> Anyway, I got a, I got a shout out here. Uh, somebody contacted me. Uh, very, very kind of like active on uh, on Twitter. Always hearts our stuff and retweets us and stuff. Very cool. It's uh, somebody who's they've got their own site where they uh, review uh, movies and TVs and stuff like that. Uh, and TVs. Yeah, they, they talk about the new Panasonic and Zenith that came out. No, they review TV shows. It's a pop culture website, CRP Rights, and that's W-R-I-T-E-S, CRP rights.com and they're celebrating two years of existence they launched in 2018 to focus on casual movie reviews top 10 lists film essays and all things pop culture all with cinephiles in mind new content is posted every week with their independent team of writers who are always exploring new movies and television to make sure no one is wasting time or money where they shouldn't be uh, so go to the website right now crprights.com bookmark it on your fucking phone and check it for updates on things that you should be watching and you should also be listening to us Jake we did kind of like an exchange like I put a banner for his website on our website and he did the same for us very fucking cool scratching each other's backs sir Friends helping friends. That's what it's all about in the podcast game. Yeah, friends helping friends. You know, that's, you got to get the word out. So, um, oh, and when we take a break, I'm going to play a song. I went to Reddit. No, congratulations, CRP writes on two years. That's fucking fantastic. One day you'll hit seven and then you'll be looking for a replacement uh, co-host like me or a co-writer or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, seven years, Jake. Yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> Doesn't sound like I'm going to make seven more now. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, oh, when we take our break, I'm going to play a song that I fucking heard today. This is fucking hilarious. I was on Reddit and somebody posted this fucking, it's a, the, the title was 
Nobody Died Every Single Day is the title of this song. And this guy or gal, I don't know, this is what they wrote. I put all of Nickelback's lyrics into an AI and it wrote this song. Oh, my fucking God. And it's performed and it is hilarious. That's this awesome. sounds like I a masterpiece. It is a fucking masterpiece, Harmon. This is like the best Nickelback song that doesn't come from Nickelback. So it's their only good song, but it doesn't come from them. <laughs> Stylistically, it's a, it's in like like a Nickelback song. Now? Yeah, dude. It like basically takes all the lyrics from a Nickelback song and mashes them together. It's just like a fucking Michael Cannon mashup, but in a fucking Nickelback song. And it is fucking hilarious and beautiful. And I'll play it during our first break. You got to fucking listen to this shit. Oh, man. Did I ever tell you I made a Mario Kart character that looked like the lead singer of Nickelback? And boy, when I when I play with that shit online, you can tell people hate me. <laughs> awesome. I get all the red shells. I didn't know you can design characters on the on the Mario Kart. Well, you can design your me, and then you can use your me as a racer. Oh, so you, yeah, okay. <laughs> so that's how you work the system there. If you want to really troll people on Mario Kart, nice. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> All right. Let's, I guess I I don't know. Harmon, do you have anything to say before we jump in? Any announcements? Anything you're working on? Uh, nothing in particular. I will say that I am going to check out that website that you mentioned, and uh, I would also like to congratulate him on two years of writing a website that takes a lot of work. So yeah. I'm going to check it out. Absolutely. Somebody somebody outside is. It's on a, on a, what are, the, what are they doing? Are they on a, like a little motor scooter? I don't know if you guys can hear that or not. <laughs> no, I couldn't. I could not. I'm going to, I'm going to go out there and shake my fist at them every time they drive by. <laughs> Just yell, you really loud. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't choose the scoot life, man. The scoot life chose him. Oh my God. Put that on a bumper sticker, sir. I guarantee there are Scoot Life bumper stickers. <laughs> uh, let's jump into Good Pop, Bad Pop. How's that sound? Good. Cool. Now for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All righty. You know, I just kind of like fucking like, I don't know, like I... uh... I, I like I I play the bumpers and I hear them, you know, on my end, and, but I I don't really like pay attention to them anymore. It's just like they're just playing. Hmm. I always try to see if I can remember them word for word and tell when we're coming exactly back during them because yeah. I can't hear them at all. Yeah, you can't hear them on your end. Yeah. You know, the offspring bumper plays in my head more times than I care to admit. It's fucking beautiful, man. It's fucking it beautiful. Is. Uh, I finished, uh, I finished Too Hot to Handle on Netflix. Man, this has been a kind of, kind of a divisive show. You got some people absolutely hating it, and then you got fucking dopes like me that fucking love this fucking trash TV, Jake. I'm a huge fan of this fucking show. Finished it, and, uh, yeah, it is 100% trash, and I love it. 
Tupperware the fuck out of it. <laughs> so the, the final episode was good because that, that was the one thing I hated about the circle was I thought by the end it was kind of really boring. Uh, the the ending was kind of stupid. It's kind of stupid mm-hmm. what they did. And uh, but but on the flip side, I I enjoyed all the uh, all the all the stuff that went on uh, within the show, and uh, I, I will definitely be watching a season two if it gets a. Uh, gets a season two yeah these are terrible people these are terrible people and i enjoyed watching every minute of it if they weren't terrible it'd be a boring premise i know and sometimes you just want to watch gorgeous self-absorbed people do gorgeous self-absorbed shit (laughs) (laughs) do it together on a fucking island and not be able to have sex but still have sex with each other sometimes um I watched, uh, oh Christ, Harmon, I know you watched a little bit of this. This is the new Netflix show, Never Have I Ever. It's the complicated life of a modern day, first generation Indian American teenage girl inspired by Mindy Kaling's own childhood. It's created by Mindy Kaling and Lang Fisher. Uh, and I, dude, like I was off on Wednesday and I'm usually off on Friday and that's when I try to like watch all my Netflix stuff. Because all the new Netflix stuff drops on Friday. But this show dropped on Tuesday, so I had nothing to watch on Wednesday. So I fucking knocked out the entire first season of this show. <laughs> nice. Literally, I watched the first episode Tuesday night, and then I watched the rest of them on uh, on Wednesday. And uh, I'll start off. You've, you've watched a couple episodes, and... What are you thinking about this one? It's set in modern day, but it's inspired by Mindy Kaling's own childhood. Yeah, so the first episode really didn't do much for me. It was definitely like a low taste hit. Like it was, it was all right, but it was nothing special. And I wasn't going to continue on, but I said, hey, "All right, I'll give it another another episode." So then I watched episode two, and that was a lot better. And then I ended up watching a third episode today. Oh, nice. And uh, I, I'd say right now I'd rate it at like a high taste it. Um, the the characters are pretty pretty interesting. It's a neat cast. Uh, the guy who plays Paxton makes me think he's like a budget version of, uh, what's his name, Dacre Montgomery from Stranger Things. Like he looks so much like him. Uh, I love the narration style. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, let's get into that. Like the narrator for this story, there's two. There's two, but like for most episodes, it's the one nar- narrator, and it's John Tennis Pro John McEnroe. It was such a clever idea, and the way like every so often he'll be talking about how this relates to something he did as a tennis player and it cuts to footage of him playing tennis and it's it's a really <laughs> clever and funny way to do narration. Yeah, and he teases that there's a reason why he is the narrator that is revealed and it's very funny. Um, he does show up in the show, I will say that, but there is one more narrator in an episode and it's not an episode that's... The main character's name is Davey and she... There's a, there's an episode with her friend, and, well, not her friend. It's actually her arch nemesis, um, but uh, his narrator is somebody completely different. I kind of want to say it because maybe Jake would be interested in watching the show. It's, um, what's his name, Andy Samberg from The Lonely Island and SNL. Okay. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so I, I on the... 
I fucking absolutely loved this show. I was so addicted <laughs> to watching it. I, that's all I did Wednesday is fucking watch this, this show. I, I, I really liked it. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. Um, the first episode was not that great. I mean, it's a weird kind of like setup, like this girl's, uh, you know, this, uh, this girl is going to school and, and, her dad dies, has like, what is it, like a heart attack or something? Yeah, has a heart attack at her orchestra performance. Right. And then, <sighs> and then she's like kind of traumatized by this and then has like no use of her legs. It's like all in her head, but she's like in a wheelchair for three months. And then one day she's looking at Paxton, who's like the hot guy in school and she stands up out of her wheelchair and now she can walk again. Um, the second episode goes into kind of like her approaching him and basically just saying, hey, you want to have sex sometime? And it's very awkward. Uh, there's a lot of these awkward moments. She's kind of like the, um, you know, the brainy kid, one of the brainy kids in school. And this Paxton guy is like, you know, kind of like more like your jock and uh, not one of the smarter kids in school. So there's that dynamic that we've never seen in any teen romance uh, story ever before. But on the flip side, there's like this uh, they introduce like a lot of these uh, Indian American Indian concepts in in and and how, you know, how it's different, um, you know, raising uh, a child in America than it would be in India and how they're still holding on to like certain, you know, things from their culture and their religion, but still here doing it here in America and how, it, how, how, how they're influenced in raising their children. I, I, and it's funny. I think it's pretty fucking funny too. I, I was, there's many times in this show where I was laughing at some of the awkward things that were happening. I, I enjoyed it and it's not like, I'll be honest with you. It's a little bit more adult than you would think. I think that this is for like older teens and adults as well. I, because there are F bombs that are dropped. There's adult language. This is not fucking like TVY or whatever the fuck it's called. So I think this is a little bit more adult. It's a little bit more mature. Yeah. There's a scene. I think it's actually like the first scene of the show that I did think was pretty funny where Davy is, you know, sitting in front of the, the kind of altar, like praying to her gods and she's like, man, I really hope I, you know, I get a boyfriend this year and I get to go to a party where there's alcohol and drugs and I don't want to do the drugs. I just want a chance to be like, oh, no, thanks. I don't want to snort cocaine. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was just like, OK, this is interesting. And every episode is titled like every episode goes with the title of the show because it's like never have I ever. And then they'll give you the title of that episode. And that's basically what's going to happen that episode. So I, I think it's clever. I, I, I really, really enjoyed this show. It was very bingeable and, um, it definitely leaves the door open for a season two and I hope it gets greenlit. I hope we get a season two out of this because I really, really enjoyed this one. Mindy Kaling working with Netflix and she had that deal with the, I wonder if Hulu passed on this one, the Mindy project, uh, once it left. Fox went over to Hulu. I wonder if this was something that uh, she even took to Hulu. So, but uh, I, I personally love this fucking show. Watched a movie this week. A movie dropped on Netflix called Dangerous Lies. 
Oh, that's a great name. That sounds like some Cinemax after dark shit. Oh, God. It's, it's, uh, uh, when a wealthy elderly man dies and unexpectedly leaves his estate to his new caregiver, uh, she's drawn into a web of deception and murder. If she's going to survive, she'll have to question everyone's motives, even the people she loves. Uh, this is a thriller. It's directed by Michael Scott from a screenplay from David Golden. Michael Scott, he directed, uh, Four episodes of Date My Dad and a TV movie called Secret Millionaire. Wow, what a resume. Yeah. I'm Uh, impressed. Yeah. Uh, It stars uh, Camila Mendez. She's, uh, she plays Veronica in Riverdale. Uh, Jesse T. Usher, Jamie Chung, uh, Cam Gignet, uh, Elliot Gould's in this one. He was the only, him and, uh, Camila Mendez were the two only recognizable people. That I knew from this one. Um, this was a bad movie. Uh, this is <laughs> this is not good. Um, the the writing's terrible. The acting's crap. Uh, there's twists and turns. They all suck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is like one of those '90s movies that, like, well, this is trying to be. I don't know. This is trying to be like one of those '90s movies that we revere and love. You know. With uh, like these '90s thrillers that we revere and love, um, but it fails miserably. Um, I guess like if this was like the first thriller that you've ever seen, you might hold on. Let me let me hold on. If this was the first movie you've ever seen ever in your entire <laughs> existence as a human being, like let's say you were raised by fucking wolves or like. You were on a fucking island and uh, raised by apes like Tarzan and shit, and they brought you over and you fucking <laughs> you, you learned the language and you know you started to understand you know English, um, and then the, you were introduced to Netflix and this was the first programming you ever saw. You didn't know pictures could move until until seeing this movie. Yeah, once you got over the fact that like the people in the box weren't real and you couldn't pull them out, <laughs> and then you watch this movie, you might like it. But me personally, after I've seen a fuck ton of movies and really good ones, this is a fucking toss it. I was like, I don't even. Maybe this is like a bad movie that you can enjoy just because it's so bad. But man. I thought this movie was a pile of crap. It's an absolute toss. It Dangerous Lies on Netflix. Enjoy. Oh, love the name though, Dangerous Lies. Dangerous Lies. Yeah. This is a damn good name. How many how, how many movies and TV shows have been they is that it can't be the first thing ever named Dangerous Lies. No, no fucking way. I bet there's fucking music albums named named Dangerous Lies even. Oh yeah. I'd put I'd put money on that bet. <laughs> I watched uh I watched the first two episodes of Trying on Apple TV. Um, all Jason and Nikki want is a baby, but it's the one thing they just can't have. So they decide to adopt. With their dysfunctional friends, screwball family, and chaotic lives, will the adoption panel think they're ready to be parents? Uh, this is like uh, the uh, I, majority of the cast. I think pretty much all the cast is, uh, are British actors. Uh, Rafe Spall, Esther Smith, um Oliver Chris, Ophelia, Lovabond. Uh, I, I, I've seen like the, the main guy before. I just don't know where I've seen him. I, it's a comedy. It's a comedy. It's a dramedy. A little bit of drama too. They can't have kids. They, I guess they waited too long. She can't, she can't have kids. So they're, you know, they're trying to, 
they're trying to have children, can't have kids. Now they're getting ready to adopt. And, um, you know, there's a scene where, you know, it's supposed to be like that time of the week, that time of the month or whatever, where she's the most fertile. And, uh, they forgot that she forgot what day it was. And they're on a, on a bus. And, uh, there's an elderly woman sitting behind them and she's sleeping. And she, the, the woman insists that they have sex on the bus. And so she straddles the guy and they fuck. And, uh, the woman wakes up and, uh, hilarity ensues. I like this show. I like, I, I, I'm only two episodes in and I think the ending of the second episode was pretty fucking funny. Um, it's called Trying. It's on Apple TV. And I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. I'll give the first episode a taste it, the second episode a high taste it, but this could be a really good comedy over the, over the course, I think, of eight episodes. So I'm gonna stick with this one. Hopefully I'll be able to keep this one on the rotation. Um, but I liked it. I think, I think it has a lot of promise. So yeah, if you have an Apple TV subscription, you wanna watch something new, wanna watch a comedy, watch Trying. Is it pretty raunchy? Not too raunchy yet, you know. I mean, I, I gave you probably maybe the most raunchy scene is them yeah. fucking on the bus. And so maybe I set a bad precedent there that you were thinking it was just going to be like, you know, a lot of fucking. But so far, <laughs> so far, not a lot of fucking. Just that one episode, I think. No wonder you're singing all the Marvin Gaye after watching this show. Oh, I know. When I get that feeling, honey. Oh, sexual healing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That guy, that guy, man. Somebody fuck him. Right on the bus. Baby, let's get down tonight. Ooh, baby, I'm hot just like an oven. Ooh, baby, now let's get down tonight. Baby, I'm hot just like an oven. I need some loving. And baby, I can't hold it much longer. It's getting stronger and stronger. Whew. Marvin. Uh, Marvin Gaye is canceled. I guess this guy, yeah. <laughs> has, has this guy ever has heard of jerking off? <laughs> oh, man, he probably hasn't. Probably saved him a lot of stress and lawsuits. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Marvin. Starving Marvin. His penis is starving. He needs to clean those pipes. Um, Harmon, what do you got for good pot, bad pot, man? Yeah, sure. The the uh, first thing I want to talk about is a anime on Netflix called High Score Girl. Uh, this anime is created by Rensuke Oshikiri, and it's a romantic comedy and a coming of age story set in the arcade scene in Japan throughout the nineties. So it starts off in nineteen ninety one, following the main character of Yaguchi, who's an elementary school kid. And his life is just going to the arcade and playing games. And his main game is Street Fighter 2. And they have all these licensed properties. So you see all these old school arcade machines from, uh, you know, from Namco and Capcom to uh, SNK and Sega. Please tell me that there's a bad dudes. I think actually, so at the end of every episode, they showcase a machine and they show like title screens for different games. And I'm almost positive Bad Dudes is on one of those <laughs> screens. <laughs> um, yeah, that's awesome. So there's another character named Ono who transfers to the same elementary school. And she's like super wealthy and wicked smart and super popular. And she never talks throughout the entire series, which is pretty interesting. Um, but she's like in secret, she's this huge, incredible beast of an arcade gamer. And they have this really neat friendship that gets like slightly romantic. 
And as time goes on, like she has to move away to go to America and then she comes back and it's moved from elementary school to middle school. And then they move on to high school. And as they change, like the games change. So you get modern games. Um, they have all sorts of awesome licenses. Uh, one of the things is that he actually like carries around his TurboGrafx 16, like oh everywhere he goes. God, that is awesome. Um, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's really sweet. Uh, I think the best episode is kind of early on. They hear the, they heard this legend about an arcade that was like super cheap prices, and it's really sketchy. And there's no one else there, and it's all these old machines. And one of them was the first Street Fighter cabinet where it had the big force sensitive buttons you had to like slam your hands down on. Uh, which I had never seen before, so that was really cool. From and the, then when the, they the leave, very, they the, turn around, and it wasn't there, so it was like a ghost arcade. Oh, so the, the, the first Street Fighter game? Yeah. I actually went to an arcade as a teenager that had the first Street Fighter game in it. With the, the big buttons you had to hit? Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I, that thing's so cool. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where they didn't make a lot of those, and uh, I, I remember playing it. It's not... It's it's definitely not anything <laughs> like Street Fighter Two. Um, no, graphically, you know, the graphics are are different. And the only character that made it over, okay, like the only villain that made it over into Street Fighter Two was the what's his name, the boss before M Bison, Vega. No, 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 no. Vega was not in Street Fighter. It was the tall, lanky guy with the. I think he had an eye patch on. Ball, oh, not Balrog. Not Balrog. Was it, the guy? Oh. Was it Blanca? Not Blanca. No. Oh, God. Oh, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. I'll look it up during break or something. Yeah, I was trying to Google it really fast. It's, but failing. Yeah, it's the, it's the boss right before M. Bison. <clears throat> Sagat. Sagat. Yep, Sagat's the only villain holdover from that game that made it into Street Fighter 2. Interesting. Yeah. And it was just Ryu and Ken, right? Yeah. The only two playables? I think so. I know know Ryu. So, yeah. Yeah, I I remember that. I think it was like our our bowling alley had it or some shit like that in Peoria. Huh. I I, I definitely remember playing the original one, too. I played it on a we went on vacation somewhere and I ended up playing it somewhere. Do you remember Ninja Warriors? Vaguely. It had like, it had like, they took like three or four screens and they connected them. And so you could see it was like a panoramic kind of like view. So you could see enemies coming from like far away. Oh, that's cool. And you were that like, cool. you were ninjas and you, you threw like throwing stars and there were tanks and stuff like that. And, and other ninjas that would jump on screen. Yeah, it was a fucking dope ass game. Anyway, so a fucking narc. Oh, <laughs> it was like fuck a it. say no to drugs game. Oh my god, the narc narc was so awesome. I loved that game so much. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. I need to replay narc. They'd like be throwing like dozens of fucking hypodermic needles at you. You gotta play, but you gotta play the arcade version because the Nintendo Entertainment System sucked that version sucked it was the arcade oh yeah the arcade awesome. version but no matter what version you play when you get in the car you immediately crash it in two seconds no matter what oh totally 
Well, they have not featured an arc in High Score Girl yet, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I gotta watch High Score Girl. That sounds actually pretty fucking awesome. I love vintage arcade cabinets, and that'd be really cool to see it incorporated into like a, an anime. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I give it a Tupperware. It's a great story. The characters have really good development over the over the series. And a little thing that I like that they do is that each episode, instead of calling it like episode one, episode two, since fighting games are such a main part of it, it's round one, round two. Ah, uh, that's cool. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a Tupperware. And if you like video games from that era and anime, it's definitely worth checking out. Very cool. So, what, sounds awesome. What else you got? Uh, how many episodes? I, so it's just a it's it's just one season. Uh, it's two seasons. Uh, season one, I think, is fifteen episodes, and season two, which recently came out, uh, I think, is nine episodes. Oh, right on. All right. What else you got? I've got one other anime that I've been watching, and uh, it's a classic that I remember watching as a kid, and I haven't seen in years. And if any of the listeners have not watched Yu Yu Hakusho, it still holds up so well. Uh, this was created by Yoshihiro Tagashi, who eventually went on to make the also insanely popular series Hunter Hunter. Um, it's about this teenage boy named Yusuke Yurameshi, who's like your stereotypical delinquent. And he ends up saving this kid's, like this little kid's life by pushing him out of the way, but Yusuke gets hit by the car instead and dies. And then this really cute blue haired Grim Reaper girl flies down and brings them to the afterlife. And he gets a second chance at life because he, you know, died selflessly. And he becomes a spirit detective and fights demons. And it is insane and over the top and super violent. And there's so many, I mean, it's a super high action anime. Um, but it also does have a good amount of character development. And uh, definitely total Tupperware. Where did you watch this on? Uh, so I believe it's actually on Netflix and Hulu right now. Oh, uh, wow. But I watched it on Hulu. Um, I think Hulu tends to do a bit better for like licensed anime stuff. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I've been watching Infinite Dendrogram on Hulu as opposed to other places. But yeah, that's very cool. I'll have to check that. I've never seen it. Yeah, it is a classic of the 90s, and I remember watching it as a kid on Toonami, where it was Inuasha, Cowboy Bebop, and Yu Yu Hakusho. Oh, nice. And uh, I think it's one that kind of gets forgotten sometimes, um, but it's definitely worth checking out if you like a lot of high action. Very cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I've, yeah, I've seen Hunter Hunter, but I, I'm actually not familiar with this show. It's it's got some great comedy moments. Uh, Yusuke, his his buddy, who's just like a normal human who hasn't died, but his family has this like slightly psychic ability, so he's able to see the ghost too. And then they uh, the second season is just just massive anime tournament arc, and I, I mean it's like twenty seven episodes of just people fighting and beating the shit out of each other, and it's fantastic. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, I I always loved Hunter Hunter. It was almost like a mature audience's Pokemon. So you have to check that out. And you're, you say Hulu, Netflix, huh? Yeah, Hulu is definitely the way I would go. And the theme song, still after all these years, is such a banger. Like it's so good. 
Is it? Most animes have fantastic theme songs. I'm not going to lie. They really do. <laughs> oh, I know. They'll get stuck in your head. I don't even know what the fuck they're saying because they're speaking in Japanese, but I fucking get it stuck in my head. It's crazy. Yeah, that's the worst part, too, when you have a song stuck in your head that you can't emulate. Well, every once in a while, too, it'll go from, like, singing, like, Japanese to, like, some fucking guy singing a metal song in English. And you're like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? It's like, I There's heard always a, those, like, two random English words. Yeah, I just heard a fucking lady with a beautiful voice singing in Japanese, and now I got this fucking guy who sounds like he's in Linkin Park singing an English song. It's weird. <laughs> but I kind of fucking love it. I also love how there's intro and outro songs. Oh, yeah. The intro is just like, yeah, fucking Metallica. And the outro song is like fucking like uh, Amy Grant. <laughs> That's the formula. It works. That is the formula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched uh, the first – I've watched the first half of the season of the first season of Upload. This is the new Greg Daniels show. He's uh, He worked on uh, The Office, Parks and Rec. Oh God, King of the Hill, SNL, The Simpsons. This guy's, you know, been around. He's made some really great fucking shows. Uh, I watched Upload on Amazon Prime. Upload is set in a future where humans are able to upload themselves into their preferred choice of afterlife. When Nathan meets his early death, he is greeted by Nora in his version of Heaven. The series follows the two as Nathan grows accustomed to his life away from his loved ones, and the alive Nora struggles to stay afloat working her job alongside Nathan in the afterlife. So this one stars Robbie Amell, Stephen Amell's cousin, uh, as Nathan, uh, and we've got uh, Andy Allo. Stephen Amell's cousin, that's his acting credit? No, I mean, he was in uh, The Duff. Uh, he was in a CW, a very short-lived CW show. He also was um, one half of, uh, was it Firestorm in Legends of Tomorrow, Tomorrow for, I don't know, half of a season of Legends of Tomorrow. I mean, I just, I just, <laughs> most people know fucking Stephen Amell. Like this guy, I think he's the, I think he's the more talented of the two, to be quite honest with you, Jake. I could see that. He, I, I, you know, not that Steven's not talented. I just think Robbie, he's, oh God, his comedy is really good. The Duff is a fucking funny movie, people, if you haven't seen it. Um, but, uh, this is, oh my God, this is a fun fucking show. You've got, you've got the, you got Robbie Amell playing Nathan and, uh, he's dating this girl who's very wealthy. Her family's very wealthy. And, uh, but Nathan's, he's kind of like a, a computer programmer and he's wanting to work on his own, um, his own afterlife, basically where people don't have to pay. Cause everything, everything's pay, like in order to go to the, like this, like this virtual afterlife, you have to pay. And even when you get to the afterlife, there's all these in-app purchases. So like once you're there, <laughs> if you want to fucking play golf, um, you know, you have to pay. There's in-app purchases that you have to pay. There's a funny joke in this one where, uh, you know, uh, this guy's playing golf and he requests an Arnold Palmer and you're thinking they're going to bring him the drink and that actual Arnold, Arnold Palmer, the golfer shows up. And <laughs> so, but I mean, uh, and, and, and the future of this world, like, uh, there's self-driving cars. Um, when the police pull you over, the police are actually on a drone, a screen of a police officer. You see their face on a drone. Um, there's 
instead of lift, there's well, I'm sure they they have lift, but instead of lift, they have bike. So it's like a bicycle that takes you places, and then it just <laughs> rides off by itself. It's very inventive what what they've done with the future here. He is in a freak accident. Uh, his his self-driving car crashes into a truck, and then he's brought into the hospital. His vitals are going down, and instead of him trying to, you know, um, have them go into the operating room, you have the choice uh, of being uploaded if you have enough money. Well, the girl that he's dating, she decides, like, I've got enough money. I, you know, I, I really like this guy, and I want to spend the afterlife with him. So I'm going to upload my boyfriend into, uh, into this, in, into this really swanky, like, um, afterlife. You, there's different ones, but like, this is for like very rich and wealthy people. So she sends him there and, uh, it's, it's, Oh God, it's very funny. A lot of adult humor, but he starts to, he starts to form a bond with, his angel and what angels are, it's like basically customer support. Once you're there, once you're in the virtual <laughs> world and you need customer support, you have your own personal angel, which is there to kind of like guide you through everything. Uh, of course, just like with any like computer thing, uh, there's different hacks and stuff like that. There's a hilarious episode where like one of the guys that's there, uh, they use him for comic relief, but <laughs> they're, they're trying to push this, Taco Bell's trying to push like this gordita crunch wrap and this guy finds a hack to eat a bunch of these gordita crunch wraps, you know? And so there's different ways to hack the virtual world. Once you're even dead, um, you get to attend like your own virtual reality VR funeral. Um, and it's, and it's really kind of sad, his funeral, when you watch it kind of played out. And they play it in like three different cities. So he's got like, you know, people in his hometown. He's got one playing in LA and they're, they're just watching him on a screen and he's, he looks like him. He's just in the afterlife. Um, there's also this part in the show where they show people that can't afford the full experience. So they get a two gig plan. So once their plan runs out, they have to wait until the next month for them to be revived. <laughs> There's one guy that basically like, and Nathan's watching this, like he's seeing like these people have nothing. They're just like in a fucking room with like these tables and chairs, like foldable tables and foldable chairs. And like a little girl is playing with like an empty roll of paper towels, like a paper towel cardboard roll and a t- toothbrush and she's just pushing it on the floor <laughs> and that's her fucking toy and then he sees a guy walk in completely naked no clothes and no penis he couldn't afford to have a dick god what a depressing fucking like vision that's hilarious though. so yeah and the food that they eat there on this two gig plan is it's lean cuisine gives them free food, but they have to test out like their food that they give to people in the real world. So they eat this lean cuisine food. That's all they have to eat. So this guy with no dick makes himself an origami cock out of lean cuisine boxes. (laughs) (laughs) That's creative. Like way to work the system. It's I fucking 
Oh, and there's this 12 year old kid that died at the Grand Canyon. He died. He fell into the Grand Canyon and died. And so his parents won't pay to have him like upgraded to age. So he's fucking 18, but he still looks like a 12 year old. And so that's pretty funny hearing like a 12 year old kid yell motherfucker and all this shit. It's, there's some funny stuff that happens with this, with this child. Um, Nathan starts to develop feelings for his angel Nora as this goes along. Um, I am loving this show. I cannot wait to get back to watching this one. I really, really enjoy this show. It's a lot of fun. I had to pull myself away from this one and watch a couple episodes of trying. And now I just want to go back to upload. So it's an absolute Tupperware for me. It's basically, and I've heard it compared to this before. It's basically like the episode of black mirror, San Junipero mixed in with the good place. So it's like, you take those two things, you take the humor from the good place. And then you take the you know the whole concept of San Junipero from Black Mirror and put them together, mash them together, and you get upload. And uh, it's on Amazon Prime. It's a Tupperware. I highly, highly recommend this one. I'm through the first half of the season. It's ten episodes. I'm through five episodes, and I'm absolutely loving it. And I can't wait to see what happens. There is some mystery as to how he died. So. I'll just say that much. But yeah, Tupper with the fuck out of this one. Jake, both Jakes, Jacob Harmon, Jake, I think you guys would both really enjoy this show. It's really good. Yeah, I love that creator and, and previous stuff he's done. So yeah, it sounds really cool and just really inventive, clever, comedic world, world building. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a weird concept for a show. Uh, but I'm, uh, what service was that streaming on? It's on Amazon, Amazon Prime okay. Video. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I watched uh, Bad Education on uh, HBO. I, I had no idea about this. Like every once in a while, when you get on IMDb or something, like they'll they'll advertise a movie, and they were advertising Bad Education, and I, I, this cast is insane. I, I'll get to the cast here in a second. The beloved. It's based on a true story, and the New York Magazine article, uh, "The Bad Superintendent" by Robert Kolker. And it's about a the, the beloved superintendent of New York's Roslyn School District and his staff, friends and relatives become the prime suspects in the unfolding of the single largest public school embezzlement scandal in American history. Uh, it's directed by Corey Finley. This is the director, if you've loved the movie Thoroughbreds that had Olivia Cooke, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, and Anton Yelkin in one of his last films. If you love Thoroughbreds, this is from the same director, Corey Finley. And it stars Hugh Jackman, Allison Janney, uh, Geraldine Viswanathan. She was from Cockblockers, um, Alex Wolf, Raphael Casal, Steven Spinella. Uh, Ray Romano, Ray Romano, I'm telling you, like, right, like, Ray Romano, I think, is, like, becoming one of Hollywood's go-to character actors now. It's insane. He was just recently in The Irishman. He's been doing, he's, I think he's kind of, like, one of these up-and-coming, like, post-fucking uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. He has become, like, one of Hollywood's go-to character actors. And uh, he is spectacular in this movie, by the way. Uh, but this deals with the largest single embezzlement um, scandal for public schools in American history. And 
and you've got you've got basically they they come to find out that Allison Janney's character has been stealing money from the school. She gets busted stealing money from the school, and they add it up, and so far they're at like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But like as this kind of like unfolds, you find out that more people have been dipping into it. And they're trying to build like this skywalk. So they're trying to connect one part of the school to another part of the school. And this skywalk is going to cost $8 million and they're looking to get funding for it. And, but you look at the other parts of the school, they've got a leak in the ceiling. So it's like, oh, you could, you want to get this fucking skywalk, but you can't fix the leaks in the ceiling. And, um, I will say this. I'll give this movie a high taste. It. I really enjoyed it. The cast is fantastic. Fucking Hugh Jackman, Allison Janney's great. Um, and this Geraldine Viswanathan, she plays the girl at the school that goes into kind of like being a reporter for the school newspaper that starts tracking the paper trail of like all these expenses that the school's paying for that don't really make sense. And she starts to figure things out and then publishes like this whole, you know, um, paper about uh and exposing these people that were stealing and the amount of money that they stole in the in the end was just, it's mind-boggling how how this went down and how long this went on um i'll give it a high taste that i think it's you got hbo you might as well watch it it's called bad Ed, bad education and uh, i think it was a nice you know with with the movie theaters being closed and and all this stuff it was kind of a nice surprise to, to catch this one on hbo yeah, those are like theater quality stars in it too. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, where, where did this take place, Brian? This was a true story, right? Yeah, New York. Okay, New York. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering. New York school. I, when did that take place, Brian? Uh, I think in the early two thousands. Oh, would, so it's still like yeah, recent ish. It's not like something that happened like in the seventies or something. Yeah, it's post twenty. Huh. It's post. Uh, it's definitely post like nine eleven. So okay. So I think like within 15 years or so, um, I watched, oh, Harmon, I know you watched this one, Blood Quantum. Oh, yeah. Blood Quantum. This is a, a Shudder exclusive. So if you have Shudder, and if you don't have Shudder, you can get Shudder for, three, uh, for, for free uh, by using the code SHUTIN. Um, so you can get Shudder for free for 30 days. Uh, but this movie's called Blood Quantum. They were actually going to release this later, but they know with like the coronavirus going on and everybody not being able to go to the theaters, they dropped it now. I think this one was supposed to get relaunched in June, and they 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 dropped it early. Uh, synopsis: In it's 1981, and a virus infects Earth and turns its inhabitant uh, inhabitants into undead hordes, with only one community spared and left to fight in this distinctive and relevant spin on the zombie siege horror. The dead are coming back to life outside the isolated Mi'kmaq reserve of Red Crow, except for its indigenous inhabitants who... Oh, fuck. Okay, hold on. I don't want to... I am going to spoil something here, but I'm going to give you a spoiler warning. Don't, don't you think that's fair, Harmon? I think that's fair. Okay. All right. This is okay. You, you've got this is okay, it's a zombie movie, and I know there's a lot of zombie burnout, but I definitely think that this is one that's worth watching. 
I mean, every once in a while we'll get a zombie movie that's just a fucking gem. We'll get like Shaun of the Dead or we'll get Zombieland or um, we'll fucking get uh, Train to Busan. I think this is another one that people should be watching. I was I was very impressed with the directorial style. Um, but you have – this starts with the zombie outbreak. And these people don't know what's going on, what, what, what's happening. But people are getting bit. They're turning into zombies. And and, and, and just like in Train to Busan, it also affects the animals. Uh, this starts with a, a fisherman who's bringing in his haul that day, and he's gutting the fish, and he's laying them out. The fish are dead. They've been gutted. And then all of a sudden, they start flopping around. And you're just okay. So fuck. This is this is affecting the, 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 the this is affecting the animals. It's that bring, was a really good scene, and it? I was it was such a smart way to start the movie. Yeah, uh, the train of Basan did the same thing. Where uh, I don't know if you have ever seen that Harmon, but like where the fucking deer gets hit by the car. And no, fu- I haven't seen that one, dude. So. You gotta watch it. It's a Korean zombie film. It's okay. F- fucking train to Basan. You gotta watch that fucking movie fucking like car or truck or whatever the fuck hits this deer this deer is just mangled and dead and then all of a sudden like you fucking see like this deer like reanimate and come back to life as a fucking zombie deer and like you like the legs like the legs were broken and shit now they're just snapping back into place it's oh it's fucking it's a fucking amazing way to start a movie but um yeah so it's affecting the animals just like in train of a son and the characters that we're following, these are, these are, um, these are Native Americans. So you've got like the, um, the, the main, the main characters. And it reminded me of like, of course it reminded me of The Walking Dead, cause like he's a sheriff. And so it reminded me of Rick Grimes, you know, being the sheriff and blah, 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 blah. But, um, here's the big spoiler on this one. So if you don't want to be spoiled, uh, just tune out now. I'll only spoil it here. It'll probably be like 30 seconds or so. But, um, the only, if you get bit, you'll turn into a zombie if you're white. The only people that are immune to this are Native Americans. If they get bit, they do not turn into a zombie. And it's <laughs> fucking awesome. Harmon, I, dude, I don't, I don't know about you, but I fucking love this movie. I am right there with you, man. This is a Tupperware from the get-go. And I'm really picky with my zombie movies. And this is one that I think people who are feeling that zombie burnout, which has been an issue for years now, uh, this one is worth watching. Yeah. It's got, there's so many neat scenes in this movie. Uh, There's a couple brief scenes that are animated and those animated scenes are fucking great. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's not really like, there, there was only really like one kind of jump scare, but it wasn't really a jump scare. Um, But the, the, some of the murder scenes where, you know, they were killing the zombies were pretty brutal. But it was it was kind of a different feel to it. It didn't feel like a regular horror movie, and the the pacing on it was really great. Uh, the all the the cast was insane. How well this movie was acted. Yeah. And the um the final scene in the movie with the the old guy and the samurai sword. Oh god. 
when when like the Native American singing started happening in the background, I had literal chills. It was so good. It's so good. Oh my god. The the director is Jeff Barnaby and he's a is a First Nations filmmaker um born on the Me Gak uh Me Reserve where both Blood Quantum and his debut feature, the cult hit Rhymes for Young Ghouls, take place. Um, he's the writer, director, editor, and composer of Blood Quantum. This opened at um, Toronto's International Film Festival, Midnight Madness, back in 2019. And audiences and critics loved it. And he frequently casts from within the indigenous community... And I, I was blown away at the production of this. And like you said, Harmon, the acting, I was like the act, all the actors in this were fantastic. And this is one of those zombie movies and the zombies move like the European zombies very fast, kind of like 28 days later or even, um, train to Basan, like the Korean zombies that move very fast. So it's not like your George A. Romero slow walking zombies. These are very fast zombies. Um, Oh my Harmon, you have got to get on train to Basan, dude. You would love it. If you loved this, you would love train to Basan. I'll definitely check that one out as well. Yeah. I one it. of the things I really appreciated about this movie was, uh, cause I, I think it must start like in the springtime. Cause then it has that like six month jump. Yeah. Yeah. And they were talking about like, if we can get it out, you know, if we can wait it out through winter, the, you know, the number of zombies should be like way less because they're going to freeze and then we can, you know, kill them while they're frozen or whatever. And they were talking about how some of the, the zombies had already like started to decay. So it was a, it was neat that they were throwing those elements in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the fucking scene with the dog, the zombie dog. That's one of those oh, things. Oh, that yeah. was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jake, I think you would like this movie, dude. I really do. Yeah. I do like 28 Days Later a lot. And this it, this just doesn't sound like it's funny, does it? Mm. This is like a serious horror zombie movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess there are like, there's a little bit of humor sprinkled throughout, but I mean, it's not, it's not a comedy overall. This is not zombie land. Um, they take the, I think they take it very seriously. I mean, I'm telling you, like, I hope we get a sequel. I, 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 I would, I want more from this director. It's fantastic. This is, this is the best zombie thing I've seen since Train to Busan and Soul Station. Oh, fuck. Harmon, the director for Train to Busan started off as an anime director. Okay. And so, like, and you'll see that in the movie. Like, this director, um, did a, once Train to Busan came out, he did a prequel story of Train, Train to Busan called Soul Station, and it's it's 100% anime, all animation. Oh, nice. So, yeah, dude, you've got to watch Train to Busan. I would love to hear your thoughts. I think you would thank me for making you watch this movie. <laughs> I think you really would. And if you do not cry at the end, I would be so surprised. It is... 
Like it's it, it it's a movie that makes you feel something at the end because there is something there is there is a, a reaction and emotion that comes through in the final scenes of that movie that just feels so real that you will that you I cried I fucking <laughs> cried and I, I would probably cry watching it now so I have not felt that sad at a fucking movie since the death of Optimus Prime when I was fucking eight eight years old so yeah oh wow okay yeah yeah it's I'll it, definitely check that out then check it out train to Busan please do yourself a favor I'll find if you can't find it anywhere I will fucking I will buy it and mail it to you <laughs> I I swear to god I will all oh right. I will say, as far as feeling emotions go, I don't think I hated a character as much as I did Lysol in a very long time. Fucking Lysol. Oh, my God. What a, what a name. Dick. Oh, fucking asshole. Fucking asshole. Oh, my God. I could not stand that guy. I agree 100 percent. But the actor did a great job. I mean, oh, that for just, sure. He he made it. He made me hate that character, which mm-hmm. in a in a horror movie, in a genre that's just been like overdone, that's a hard thing to do now. Dude, when they did that fucking what was it like a six month time jump, and you saw and uh, again I'm not going to jump into spoilers, but when you saw like what was Casey going- Jones almost yeah when you saw what yeah. was there and who was there were you like what the fuck. Yeah, I was not expecting that. And just, and the set design was great for yeah. that whole, you know, the place after the time jump. Dude, yeah, you're absolutely right with about the Casey Jones shit because like, I was like thinking to myself, oh my God, what a dope ass fucking cosplay. And if anybody <laughs> got that at a convention, if anybody was wearing that at a convention, total fucking fist bump, dude. That is awesome. 100%. Yeah. Blood, Quantum on Shudder. There's no excuse not to watch this one, people, because you can get Shudder for free for 30 days with the code SHUTIN. And I Tupperware the fuck out of this one. What a wonderful surprise during this fucking shutdown, this lockdown that we're in. This was just a great fucking movie. I was not expecting to love... Like, dude, I have fucking, like, the people from AMC send me you know, like trailers and they send me all this information about this stuff and they, they're raving about it. And, and you know, and I was not expecting to be as blown away by this movie as I was. And this is a great fucking zombie movie, a such a good zombie movie. I would even say that like, it's a, it's not just a good zombie movie. I think it's also a really solid film overall. Yeah. I mean, even if you're not like a huge zombie fan, I still think this movie's worth checking out just for the cinematography and for the storytelling. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing that this is just this is on Shutter. Like this should have been, dude. This should have been a theatrical release. Like this, oh, 100%. Yeah, God, seeing this in the theater, I would have just been like fucking blown away. I watched the first three episodes of Ryan Murphy's new series Hollywood on Netflix. Have you guys mm. heard about this? I have. I have not. It's a new limited series uh, from Ryan Murphy and Ian Brennan. Uh, Hollywood follows a group of aspiring a- actors and filmmakers in post-World War II Hollywood as they try to make it in Tinseltown no matter the cost. Each character offers a unique glimpse behind the gilded curtains of Hollywood's golden age. 
spotlighting the unfair systems and biases across race, gender, and sexuality that continue to this day. Provocative and incisive, Hollywood exposes and examines decades-old power dynamics and what the entertainment landscape might look like if they had been dismantled. Uh, this uh, stars David Cornsweet, um, Darren Chris, Jeremy Pope, Laura Harrier, Samara Weaving, is in this one. Dylan McDermott. Uh, I'm trying to think. Jim Parsons from Big Bang Theory is in this one. Um, oh, Jake Picking. Um, I watched the first three episodes of this. I believe it's an eight-episode series. And Ryan Murphy stuff is really hit and miss with me. And even if I like some of the Ryan uh, Murphy stuff or love it, Sometimes it always doesn't stick the landing. So I'm just going to base this off of the first three episodes that I've seen and my excitement for the show right now, three episodes in. Um, but before I get to my rating, let me just talk about this one a little bit. You've got people that are trying to make it in Hollywood. You start off with a character. This guy, like one of the main characters, looks like Henry Cavill. It's insane the amount, uh, how much he looks like Henry Cavill. Anyway, he is trying to be, uh, he's married, you know, um, his, um, wife is, uh, pregnant. They're about to have a child. She's a waitress. And, uh, but he wants to make it, he wants to make it in Hollywood. He wants to, he wants to, you know, he wants to make it in Hollywood. He wants to have his big break, make it in the movies. And so they, they pick up and they move to Hollywood and he's trying to get, uh, trying to get in there. Um, can't, he's trying to be an extra, can't, he's not getting picked as an extra in front of the, in front of the studio lots and starts to, he meets this guy at a bar who offers him a job at a, uh, at a service station where they, you know, pump gas or look at your car and whatever. And, uh, Come to find out when, on his first day, he finds out that not only is it a service station, yeah, they'll pump your gas and they'll fucking, you know, fill your tires with air and change your oil and all this other shit. But if the customer uses a code word of uh, dreamland, if they want to be taken to dreamland, you also, <laughs> you can have... They're paying for sex. So he's hiring, this guy is hiring attractive looking men to have sex with, uh, with, 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 uh, with women and sometimes men. So our character is a straight character and doesn't want to have sex with men. Finds out that he has to have sex with this guy, doesn't want to and fucking up and quits the job, blah, blah, blah. Um, all this stuff kind of like comes to a head when uh, he, he ends up going back and then and then um, working for them again. And uh, I'm trying to think. Um, there is oh, I, let me jump into this. Then it follows another character who little I guess a little bit of spoilers here, but I want people to watch this one. One of the characters that you that you come into contact. He's um, kind of a he's a closeted gay man, and he picks up the services from one of these guys at this service station. That he uses the code Dreamland, and they they kind of go off together and have like this 
you know, that they, uh, this sexual encounter. And he also wants to be an actor. The guy that he's having a sexual encounter with is a screenwriter. And they end up talking and, and, and they start to, to, to form a relationship. Later on, he gets introduced to like a big time, like movie producer, a guy that basically is like, you know, a big wig at one of the big studios. And come to find out the, the guy at that studio changes his name. He's like, oh, that name, the name you have won't work and changes his name to Rock Hudson. So real, you know, like we're talking like real actor Rock Hudson. So like Ryan Murphy's using the story of Rock Hudson here in this series. And that's, that's truth. I mean, Rock Hudson was, was, was a closeted gay man and, and he was used by this producer and who, basically made him have sex with him and all these other things. This is, um, I'm, I'm fucking hooked on this show. I don't know if I've sold any of you on it, but like, I'm fucking hooked on it. Like it's, and it's, it's, it's going back to like this, you know, the, like a, the, this golden age of Hollywood. Um, there's even a scene with Vivian Lee from, um, Vivian Lee, excuse me, from, uh, gone with the wind, like post gone with the wind. She shows up at one of these Hollywood parties. I don't know if you guys knew this, but she ended up kind of like going crazy. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. No, I didn't know that either, but. Yeah. But they have an, they have an actor playing her in this. Um, I'm, I don't know. It's fucking Ryan Murphy. So who knows if he's going to be able to stick the landing on this one, but it's an eight episode. No, excuse me. This is seven episodes. I'm, I've finished three of them and I watched them back to back to back. And I, I'm fucking hooked on this. This is one that I have to finish. I I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, you've got, and a lot of this is, is, um, there's a, there's a, there's an Asian woman who had been trying to, she had been auditioning for parts and she was clearly the better actor when it came to like this, this certain film, but they chose a white actor over her and she ended up winning like the Oscar that year. And then, uh, there's, a, there's another, um, uh, a young black actor and she's the girl from, um, she played Peter Parker's kind of like love interest in Homecoming, not not Mar- the Mary Jane girl, but the other girl. Was it? Was her name? Mich- not Michelle. You you know who I'm talking about, though, right? The girl that he had the crush on in the first Spider-Man movie, the Tom Holland. Oh. I still haven't seen Homecoming, so I forget what hurt. I know, I know who you're talking about, though. But yeah, the, she's the Zendaya character, right? No, 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 no. He didn't have a crush on her. He had a crush on, um, on Vulture's daughter. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So she is in this series, and she's playing an up and coming actor, and they're putting her into these roles, but they're having her play like the the classic, like when they when they would have like black actors play like the servants in these movies and having them use like a certain dialect and stuff like that that was racially insensitive, and they're making her do that in these movies, and she's clearly a superior actor than some of the leading women that they have cast in these movies. Um, this show is going to take this turn where it's kind of like an where where they're going to give 
minority actors like the, a real chance to to act in these movies and be like the lead and go against the grain of like you know white hollywood and and ryan murphy's going to explore that in this series like what it would have been like and blah 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 and it's fucking i'm three episodes in i haven't gotten to like i haven't gotten to that yet it's i've just seen like um the beginnings of of that concept being thrown into this series where, you know, a studio executive is talking to someone else and they're like, let's do this. Let's do this. Like, how do we know that like these movies would not be successful with, with minority actors? And so like, let's do this. Let's, let's, let's try this out and see how it works. So I'm once the next episode starts, hopefully they'll start filming this movie. I, I'm sucked in. I think this is fucking great. I love it. It's called Hollywood. It's on Netflix. It's Ryan Murphy. Hopefully it sticks the fucking landing because then you never know with Ryan Murphy. I still think that's always the thing with his stuff. Yeah. Starts so strong almost every time, but by the end, you never know. Well, fucking, I think my, my, still my favorite thing that he's ever fucking done was Murder House, that first season of American Horror Story. I would co-sign that. God damn it. It's fucking fantastic. Last thing I want to talk about before we wrap this is the Goonies reunion. Harmon, I'm not going to not talk about this. We got to talk Oof. about this. Absolutely. Josh Gad reunited the cast of the Goonies on his new YouTube show, Reunited Apart. Josh Gad was joined by the cast members, Sean Astin, Josh Brolin, Carrie Green, Corey Feldman, uh, Martha Plimpton, Kihai Kwan. Is that how you pronounce it? That's how I would say it. Yeah, yeah, and Jeff Cohen, along with other people involved in the film. Uh, the Goonies was written by Chris Columbus from a story from Steven Spielberg. The film follows a group of children who call themselves the Goonies, led by Aston's Mikey Walsh, who finds a treasure that will lead them to One-Eyed Willie's lost treasure. Uh, the group go on an unexpected adventure full of booby traps and bad guys. And... Um, this is a show that Josh got. He's like, he's like, I don't know if we're going to be doing another one of these or if this is the only episode that you'll ever get, but it's a, it's a YouTube show called reunited apart. And he brought the cast back and this is for like the 35th anniversary of the show, which is uh, coming up in, in June. So in June, the film will be uh 35 years old and it's, it's, you know, like Goonies is, is a, it's it's a, it's a huge monumental movie like back in 2017 they they put this into the um national film registry uh by the library of congress for film preservation so like this is a a, a huge movie and uh, i mean they kept referring to it as like the you know at that generation's wizard of oz and um i know that this movie means a lot to you harman so i want to hear your thoughts on watching this so Goonies is realistically like it's right up there, either number one or number two for my favorite movie of all time. And when Sean Astin started giving his that that speech, you know, it's their time up there. It's our time. When he started doing that, like you could see his face just became Mikey from 1985. Mm-hmm. And I felt that like I I had literal chills. It was so great. I mean the the whole episode was fantastic and seeing 
all these actors, you know, together again, even though they're, you know, all over the world at this point was so great. And hearing, you know, uh, Data's actor say how he's starting to get back into acting now because there's more opportunities for, you know, Asian actors these days. And I mean, uh, Josh Brolin, who, I mean, so many people, I think, know him mostly for Thanos because that's such a huge role. But to me, he's always Bran. And it was neat to see him kind of reminisce about a role that I cherish deeply, uh, even though he's so much more famous now. Uh, if if you liked The Goonies, which I don't know how anyone can't adore that movie, yeah, uh, you definitely need to watch this reunion special. I loved, like... They had characters reading their lines from the movie. And like you said, Sean Astin. But I also, dude, the actor that played Ch- uh, Chunk was fucking like, even though, <laughs> even though he's like super thin now, like you could see the little kid in him. Like you could like his facial expressions, like he was reading those lines and it was, it was like the, it was, it was, it was the lines of like when the, when they had him, the Fratellis had him like tied up and they're like telling They're wanting to know like, you know, like his story and everything. And he goes back to like when he was a baby, you know, and he's like, <laughs> he's telling that full story. Like, dude, he, like it felt like, it looked it looked just like the child version of him giving like reading those lines and then like the actor that played data that was fucking he sounded exactly the same it was unreal you can really tell that after you know almost 35 years that movie still holds a special place in those actors' hearts. Oh, totally, totally. Even Josh Brolin, who you'd think, like, has done everything since then. You'd think that, like, you know, maybe he's he doesn't look back on it as fondly as, you know, maybe, like, you know, some of the other actors. But, like, it didn't feel that way. I mean, like... I mean, this guy's gone on and done Sicario. He's been Thanos. He's been fucking Cable in the Deadpool movies. I mean, uh, fucking, uh, I'm trying to think, like, everything that he's been in. Jonah Hex. Jonah, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> let's, let's, all right. Pump the brakes there. Um, <laughs> Jonah Hex. Uh, but, god damn it. Oh, the story about how, like, you know, um, they had Richard Donner as cinematographer. And how he didn't like, he was getting like really annoyed with how like loud and rambunctious, like loud and rambunctious the kids were when they were all together. It was driving him, driving him crazy on set. So when the filming ended for this, like he was like relieved. He couldn't wait to get back home to Hawaii and get away from these fucking kids. It was driving him crazy. (laughs) And so Spielberg ends up fucking sending all these kids pays their way to fuck. He sends them all to Donner's home in Hawaii and all the kids are waiting for Donner inside of his fucking home when he gets there. And they had all their stuff kind of like laid out, and some of the kids were already laying on his beds in the house and shit. 
And so like when he comes home, there's, there's these kids that he fucking couldn't wait to get away from fucking in his fucking house. <laughs> what a dick. So, oh, and- I know I've heard, I've heard a bunch of stories about how rowdy that cast was. And one of my favorites was that they didn't show the kids when I really ship before they they filmed it so they filmed the kids seeing it for the first time oh wow and they had to i don't remember if they had to reshoot it or if they ended up dubbing over the audio uh because the kids were like swearing and like just totally losing their minds and uh, (laughs) i could understand being overwhelmed by that raucous group of kids. <laughs> Everybody showed up in this thing too. It's a uh, Spielberg made an appearance. Uh, fucking, they even had um, Cindy Lauper show up. I mean, that's it, awesome. It was it was awesome. It was very awesome. I I I love this. I hope that they do more of these. And yeah, I think I I loved this. It was it was very cool to get this. And 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 I'll try to remember to post the link in the show notes for this. It's it's on YouTube though. All you need to do is search Goonies Reunited Apart and you'll probably find it pretty easily. Yeah, I saw Josh Gad tweeting the links to this too. Another route to find it. Oh. Did uh did either of you guys see the nanny reunion that Fran Drescher did a couple weeks ago. Uh-uh. No, I didn't even know that happened. Yeah, so it was kind of the the same thing. She got the entire cast from the nanny back together, you know, all you know over some kind of Zoom conference or whatnot. And she had the the lady who wrote the theme song played it live, and then they did a reading of the entire first episode. That's kind of cool. How's yeah, Fran? Was, that How's was a Fran lot of fun these too. Days? She still has that same lovely voice as ever. <laughs> not lost it yet. Uh, oh, yeah, not, not yet. yet. <laughs> it's like Peter Griffin, kind of. A little bit. There's a similarity there. <laughs> but I hope we see more things like this, whether it's the actors getting together on their own or whether it's something like Josh Gad was doing with this Reunited Apart where they bring these classic casts back together because it really is – uh, a great way to celebrate these classic films and shows that we all cherish. Harmon, do you want to see us? Like they did talk about the sequel and how they haven't been able to fucking, you know, nail down a script that, that they feel like is worthy of a sequel. Would you want to see a sequel? I don't think it needs a sequel. Uh, I don't know how a film about a group of kids going on a crazy adventure could work in modern day. It would, it would have to be, it, I don't know how they could set it up where it would work right. Because everyone would just be, I mean, taking so many photos and with the the constant connectivity that kids have these days, I don't know how they would go on an adventure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's I I yeah, Goonies too, they just play Call of Duty for 90 minutes. So, yeah, I can see what Harmon's saying. Yeah, I think I don't know. I think it's just like just give Corey Feldman a check and <laughs> cuz he loves that idea cuz that's all he <laughs> I think that's all he wants. I think he oh god, Corey Feldman wants this movie more than anyone. I'll just say that. 
He is dying for this movie. Like, I don't know. How many fucking Lost Boy sequels has he made? Like four, I think. That's ridiculous. Uh, there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've ever watched any of them past the first one. I know I've I haven't. I've seen the original, and I just saw the original for the first time like three years ago. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. How did that, I, I don't like, okay. So like, cause I felt like that was such a product of its time. And like, I grew up watching that in the soundtrack and loving that movie. I enjoyed it. It was kind of like a time capsule of an eighties movie. It was like the lost eighties movie that I hadn't seen. Uh, and I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. Speaking I, of lost eighties movies that you haven't seen, you need to watch Top Gun. Yeah, Top Gun is definitely the fun, like the <laughs> final key in the '80s movies I haven't seen. <laughs> I don't know. I I thought it was good though. The the People Are Strange cover at the beginning, like it's such an '80s soundtrack too. Oh, totally. Oh my god. What did you think about the guy playing the saxophone with the insane mullet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was so wild. Didn't he have like rippled muscles and wearing like fucking suspenders or something? I can't remember. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Yeah. And I, I saw it like on iTunes too, so I, I you know I saw it in HD widescreen, which probably even you know most people that have seen it a million times have probably seen the HBO pan and scan version. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's all I got for good pop, bad pop. You guys got anything else? No, I think I'm good. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come right back with the pop culture leftovers news. Now 
right, hey, we're back. It's time for the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a lift of a news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. Jake, the, the Tupperware Awards are going to be fucking interesting this year, aren't they? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and the winner for everything is Netflix. Yeah, no shit. Jesus, fucking weird. <laughs> Just call it the Netflix Awards. Oh, my God. I wish when I farted it smelled like that hostess bakery. You know what I mean? Don't you, Harmon? I mean, if that, if I could have a useless superpower, that would be a good one to have. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I wish when other people farted it smelled like hostess bakeries, too. Oh, God. No shit. I hate getting crop dusted. <laughs> <laughs> but if you got crop dusted by some fresh baked bread, oh, man. Oh, I know. Oh, God. Yeah. Smell, Elbows all around for those farts. Not like ding dongs and ho hos and fucking fresh break bread. Oh, fart right in my face, you son of a bitch! Get over here. Get, bring, <laughs> point that ass in my direction. Let's do this. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're bringing me back to my childhood. Oh god, yeah. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, the sound effect really made that work. I, I'm, I'm mainlining that shit right into my fucking sinuses. <laughs> no filter. No filter. Bring it. Oh my god. You, you gotta, you gotta enjoy those moments when you're alone and you can just drop ass whenever you want to. You gotta. You yeah, gotta. Man, I've been doing it all episode with the mute button. <laughs> gotta, <laughs> gotta appreciate those moments, guys. Those are those are beautiful moments when I mean, you know nobody's gonna walk into the room and you can just. Fucking yeah! Just let it go. Just let it go. Let it go. It's frozen. <laughs> your 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 butthole's not frozen. Your fucking butthole is activated. Oh man! And it don't. And I tell you one thing. It don't smell like fresh fresh baked bread. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a time I farted during this episode though where I don't look at the mute button in fear and hope it's really muted. Yeah. <laughs> Fresh baked asshole. Um, <laughs> quick news. I, ch- I changed my pants on break. <laughs> I just wear brown pants all the time. <laughs> That's the way to do it. I need more khakis. Quick news. HBO Max, if you sign up for it now, um, uh, you can get it for eleven ninety nine a month uh, for the first 12 months at HBOMax.com. There's a limited amount of subscribers that they're going to let do this. It's regularly $14.99. You'll get access. If you sign up now, you'll get access to HBO Now currently. And then once HBO Max launches on May 27th, you'll get access to that as well. So eleven ninety nine a month. I signed up for it. I signed up for it today. Yeah, you know, originally I thought that price was pretty high, but now knowing that it always is going to come with HBO now, it's it's cheaper than a, a cable HBO subscription. Yeah, it just makes So sense. well worth it. Yeah. Uh, this is news from uh, Yahoo Entertainment. I talked about the, the Chicago Bulls docuseries. Four episodes are out now. I talked about The Last Dance. Listen to this. This comes from Yahoo Entertainment. I love this. I fucking love this. Michael Jordan said he would only appear in the Last Dance docuseries if he always had the final word. Oh, I fucking love it. I fucking love it. (laughs) Michael Jordan was in control of every facet of a basketball game during his career, and it seems he had the same control when looking back on it. In Episode 4 of ESPN's The Last Dance docuseries, which aired on Sunday. One of the major highlights was Jordan responding to the explanation 
Detroit Piston guard Isaiah Thomas gave as to why he and his teammates walked off the court before the game ended at the 1991 Eastern Conference Finals that saw the Bulls vanquish the Pistons. Typically, players do not leave the court until after the game is over. Sometimes players on opposing teams congratulate one another after a game as a sign of respect. The Bulls always congratulated the Detroit Pistons when they beat them in the Eastern Conference Finals. But these fucking bitches walked off the fucking court. In episode four, Jordan has shown Thomas's explanation as to why the Pistons, then known as the Bad Boys, walked off the floor early. Before looking at the footage, Jordan stated an explanation now, years later, wasn't Thomas's true feelings, that anything said now is bullshit. Oh, I fucking love it. I fucking love it. This is not the last time Jordan will have the final word in the last dance docuseries. I fucking love this because seriously, this is something that I'm so glad that Jordan put this into his fucking like contract for this. That he said the only way he would do this fucking series is if he got the last word is because Isaiah Thomas was an NBC commentator for a long time. And he would always fucking have little jabs at Jordan all the time, all the time on NBC, even when even when fucking Jordan was playing all the fucking time. I remember um, Isaiah Thomas during like one game or, 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 or one halftime show or something saying like, uh, you know, this is back when fucking Jordan was like on top of the world saying stuff like. You know, like, oh, I, I think younger kids need to be looking at other players now as role models, you know. And he brought up Gary Payton. And I'm not saying anything against GP. I love the glove. I think I think GP's a fucking great player. And this is back when GP was playing for the Seattle Supersonics. And he was like, you know, kids need to be looking at GP. And, of course, he picked a fucking point guard because Isaiah Thomas was a fucking point guard. But he's tell, he's saying, like, you know, younger kids need to look up to other players, blah, blah, blah. And he brings up GP. and it, it, But it's just a jab at Jordan. He was always fucking saying shit like that. And even most recently, after this fucking docuseries has come out and this fourth episode came out where they're talking about the bad boys, he said that Jordan was the fourth best player that he ever fucking faced. Of course he's not going to put him in even in the top three. He's got to give him four. I fuck, I think <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Isaiah Thomas, great fucking point guard, but Jesus Christ, dude, let go of a goddamn grudge. That's what I love about Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, Bulls beat the Lakers in the 91 plus, but Magic Johnson still has some sort. I guarantee it fucking eats him up. But on the flip side, he still has reverence. For Michael Jordan. And I fucking love that about Magic Johnson. But, man, Isaiah Thomas, man, won't let shit go. And Jordan fucking, uh, Jordan fucking knew this. And he knew that when this fucking docuseries came out. So it's awesome, dude. During the fucking docuseries, they'll hand Jordan a fucking phone and show him Isaiah Thomas's responses. And he'll, and there's a, there's, if you, if you're watching this on the ESPN app, there's a there's a version where it's uh the regular like you know version that they air on ESPN but there's also a TVMA version that you can fucking watch now. And so you got Jordan dropping F bombs and Rodman dropping F bombs and all that shit. 
So um, I would highly recommend that one. I love it. Jordan's like, this is bullshit. Whatever he says now is bullshit. He knew how Isaiah Thomas felt when they got beat. They could have stuck around and congratulated them on finally beating them. They had to work hard to beat the Pistons, the bad boys. And these guys were brutal on the Bulls. I remember fucking Scottie Pippen when he fucking, they showed it in this last, one of these last episodes where Scottie Pippen was thrown to the ground by Dennis Rodman, but they didn't talk about the scar he left on his fucking face. And that's one of, it's one of those things after they were teammates, Dennis Rodman still hadn't apologized to Scottie Pippen. And he, it took him years to apologize to Scotty for that. And they had a, oh God, they had a Dennis Rodman episode, which was fucking phenomenal. I fucking loved it. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where like a lot of people don't like Dennis Rodman, but man, we loved him here in Chicago. And it's a goddamn shame. It's a goddamn shame that the Chicago Bulls have not retired Dennis Rodman's jersey. The fucking D, I watched the Detroit Pistons retired his fucking jersey. But Dennis Rodman, Dennis Rodman would tell you he loved his time in Chicago. He loves the people of Chicago because the people of Chicago love a fucking blue collar hard worker. And that's what Dennis Rodman was getting those fighting for those fucking rebounds. When he grabbed a fucking rebound, he would cradle that thing like he was fucking cradling a baby in his fucking goddamn arms. He would rip that thing down and hold it like he owned it. And we fucking loved him diving for those rebounds, diving for that basketball. We love a blue collar hard worker. And we loved fucking Dennis Rodman. And he, without Dennis Rodman, we don't win those fucking three championships, those final three championships. Because we lost Horace Grant, and that was our rebounder. He went to the Orlando Magic. We lost him. But we got Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman, one of the hardest working fucking basketball players ever. And I'm talking about a guy who was, they said he was listed at six foot eight. I'm telling you, Dennis Rodman is more like closer to six six. He just had those long arms, could pull down those rebounds. He knew where that ball was going to bounce. He used to play with Jordan and Pippen in practice, and he would have Jordan shoot from different parts of the floor. He had the guys that would shoot the ball the most, Jordan, Pippen, and Kukoc, shoot from different parts of the floor and see where that ball would land where that ball would go and he would fucking he he knew he he could anticipate where that ball was going to end up and where he could pull down that rebound like this guy he saw things differently on the court than a lot of players gifted basketball player i don't care what the fuck he did off the court madonna carmen electra whatever the fuck dressing in um you know uh women's bridal uh, attire i didn't give a fuck what he did uh, you know, this is, he talked about in his book, Bad As I Want to Be, when he was in that truck and he was re- getting ready to shoot himself with a shotgun, wanting to blow his brains out. And then he just said, you know, I'm going to be me. I'm going to be me. And he fucking, then he came back and he started dyeing the hair and started being like a wild character. And that's what I fucking, I fucking love that about him. He just, he just, he was just, he was a fucking wild card. And, um, I don't know. I, this guys if you're not even if you're not a basketball fan watch the last dance this is fucking incredible it's fucking incredible and it's chronicling the bulls it's going back from like you know back when jordan was drafted going to his childhood going to pippin's childhood talking about dennis rodman dennis rodman was like um 
I've watched many documentaries and many things about Dennis Rodman. Just a fascinating person. And um, Tupperware the fuck out of this. And so, yeah. Yeah, Rodman was my my favorite player when I was really young. It was just, you're absolutely right. It was incredible. He always knew where to be stationed to get that rebound. Yeah. I mean, and his numbers were just so much higher than anyone else's numbers in the league during that, that period. You don't, yeah, you don't see players pulling down like 30 plus rebounds, you know what I mean, in a game. You know, I know, I mean, like he, he was, that's he figured out like he was a shooter when he was on the Pistons, but then like later on he figured out like he's a more of a defensive player. He was the player that could pull down the rebound. He was a player that would get in your head. I used to love watching him play Alonzo Mourning. He would get in Zoe's head more than anybody, more than anybody, and just fucking just drive. He would take people out of their game to where they would be focusing on him so much that they couldn't have like a, a, a great game and even if it brought him like a technical foul or put him in foul trouble he would fuck with these players and then get them in foul trouble Dennis Rodman was just an incredible athlete just an incredible athlete just and you know I let his uh, respect for Chuck Daly playing with the Pistons I loved them talking about that because he did love Chuck Daly so much and um and, and, and I think I think he lo- and, and Phil Jackson. I think Phil Jackson's one of the only other coaches that could kind of like rein him in. Phil Jackson used to drive to his house, his apartment or whatever, and pick him up and take him to practice because fucking Dennis Rodman wouldn't come to practice. So Phil Jackson, <laughs> fucking the Zen master, Phil Jackson would pick him up and take him to practice. Uh, just I, I'm loving this series, Harmon. I don't know if if you grew up watching any of the bulls if you're if you're old enough to to remember this but i i would highly recommend watching the last dance it is it is fucking amazing it is so good you see i was never like a basketball fan but jordan was everywhere yeah. when i was a kid yeah. i mean so uh this this does sound pretty interesting and just hearing how passionate you are about it makes me want to check this out i'm i yeah, I love a good story, and if if yes, from everything you've said, this sounds like it's just an amazing story. It's an amazing about all these story. super talented players. Yeah, it's a ten part docu series. The first four parts have been released. They 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 drop two every Sunday night, and um, the first week I had to wait until Monday to watch it. But last week, man, I stayed up and watched both parts live as they were airing, and uh, I, I'm going to continue to do this. This is just. I mean, it's bringing back a, a lot of memories. Like, I, and here, here's the thing. Like, I was, I'm a, I'm a Jordan fan. I love Jordan, but I'm a Bulls fan first and foremost. When Jordan retired and came back and played for the Wizards, I was still a Bulls fan. So I was rooting against Jordan when he was playing with, when the Bulls were playing the Wizards. I don't follow players, man. I follow teams. I love you follow the team. I follow the team. I don't follow players, man. I don't, you know, it was hard. It was hard. I would root for Jordan every time he'd play for another team against another team. But when he, when he played against my Bulls, I wanted the Bulls to fucking kick Jordan's ass. And that's just how, it, that's just how it was. That's just how it was. But like part of my love for the Bulls, a big part of my love for the Bulls was when Jordan was playing for them. Like he, he brought that out. And I, you know, I, 
I love this series so much. I love this series so much, and it's been so nice. My mom texted me the other day. Are you watching The Last Dance? This is something my mom was watching. My mom was watching during the Jordan era. We all watched it as a family. We all watched the Bulls. Some of my best memories as a child, um, you know, teen, a child, teenager, were us as a family watching the Bulls. And it didn't matter how loud I got in the house when we were watching the Bulls. I remember getting on top of the couch and jumping up and down and like hitting the floor as hard as I fucking could when the Bulls were like winning or losing or whatever. And my mom and dad didn't give a fuck. They didn't care. But if I was, if I would just randomly started jumping on the couch <laughs> any other time, I would be hearing about it. But my God, it, if it was a Bulls game, anything, anything was, anything was, anything could go, da- could go down. It was just, that was just the environment in the home and the Bulls were on. And my, even my mom texted me the other day, are you watching the last dance? She's like, it's bringing back so many memories of watching this team. And, um, it's, it's like, if you weren't a part of that, it doesn't even matter because it's a compelling story and the way that they're putting it together, it's so compelling watching this. I Tupperware the fuck out of the last dance. That's all I got. That's all I got to say about that. But, um, oh God. Oh, they might be doing a, uh, they might be doing a, 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 a companion series, but it, it's going to be co- uh, following, uh, Kobe Bryant in his 20th and final season with the Los Angeles Lakers. So that might be coming out. They were there. It looks like they're fast tracking it. So it's kind of like a, a last dance version, but with Kobe Bryant in his final season with the Lakers. So I, I mean that I think we need this now, especially after the, the death of Kobe Bryant, which hit me really hard. Um, Kobe Bryant's one of those players that I've kind of always respected. I think he, I think he was a good Great role model and, 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 a, and a great player. And when he died, it hit me really, really, really hard. And he's one of those guys that, like, when free agency came up and the Bulls in- invited him, he wasn't like Grant Hill or Tim Duncan back in 2000 that didn't even fucking go to Chicago. Fucking Kobe Bryant flew out to Chicago and he listened to what management had to say. And he respected the Bulls. And so anybody that does that, I gotta respect them. And this guy, we're talking about a guy who's won, you know, multiple championships, five championships, I believe. So, um, yeah, I hope we get that Kobe Bryant series. Uh, what about this AMC feud? This AMC feud with the Universal, Jake. So AMC refuses to play Universal movies. Yeah, that's a very, a very wild story. I, I don't know if it's going to hold water. I mean, that some of the biggest movies coming out in the next year, two years are universal movies. And I don't see what AMC is proving by doing this. The only one that stands to lose money is AMC. Yeah. Fast and furious. I mean, you know, not Jurassic, Antin, World, Jurassic world. Um, and Regal has also stepped up and said that they're not going to be doing it as well. I, I think like it's easy to say that right now because theaters aren't open, but like on the flip side, like once theaters are open and they're up and running again and Fast and Furious and Jurassic World and all this stuff comes out, I can't see them taking this stance. I, th- I, they gotta back off. Yeah, no fucking way. Both those movies, the previous movies were the top box office grocers of their years 
so that they're not going to play those movies. I just don't buy it. Yeah. I don't buy it for a second. So, and there's plenty of other theaters that will play these movies. I know AMC and Regal are two of the biggest chains, but AMC they're not the only is, chains. AMC is the biggest chain. AMC, yeah, I mean, we'll, but think about this. Like, think about what, what if you are, what if you are only in an area that only has AMC theaters? Yeah, that's pretty budget. I mean, but maybe, maybe Universal is going to put their money where their mouth is. Maybe they will say, fuck it. We're going to release these movies on VOD. I mean, Trolls 2 did so well. It'd be very interesting to see what a fast movie or a Jurassic World movie could do opening night for 1999 in your living room. Yeah, I, I mean, they could change the game by releasing a movie of that popularity in that format. Absolutely. I mean, because I. There's never been a, a true blockbuster movie released that way. So if they were to to actually do that, that could change the film industry, the distribution side of it anyway, permanently. Yeah, well, especially if it were, were to end up making more money or just as much as a theatrical release. I mean, then these other studios are going to say, what the fuck are we even fucking with this shit for? Trolls, at that point. The Trolls sequel, World Tour, made three times the amount of what the original did and part of that is the fact that when a movie when a movie ticket is bought in a movie theater the studio makes 50% and the movie theater makes 50% when you are doing it on video on demand universal for every 1999 Trolls World Tour that was uh, you know purchased at home on VOD. Instead of that, just that fifty percent, they made eighty percent, eighty percent, and the twenty percent went over to whoever I guess whatever streaming service you got it from. So if you got it from you know Directv or Redbox or or Amazon or whatever, the other twenty percent went to whoever provided Fandango. Now whoever Voodoo, whatever. iTunes, whatever the fuck. Yeah, so. I mean, but I don't know. I, uh, the, the, like, there is, like, I can't think of the name, but, like, the Nath- National Theater Chain Group or whatever, like, it's not going to look good if Universal continues to, to do this. And, the, uh, and I, I know not, I know, like, Fast and Furious and Jurassic World aren't going to contend for, like, Oscars and stuff like that, maybe for special effects, but, mm-hmm. but like not for like best film, but they won't, they won't, they won't even have the chance to, to contend for, for the Oscars. If, if, if they're, if you're, if you're having them go straight to VOD. I mean, all that's kind of changing too though, right? I mean, the Oscars have already submitted that Netflix movies are going to count next year just because of the situation we're in. Yeah. And I but, feel like once they open that gate, they can't close it. Yeah. But post coronavirus, I don't know. Like once, once there's a vaccine and once everything kind of gets back to normal, I mean, is, is it just a case by, you're saying that they can't? Change no, it? I feel like it's a pretty shady move to like, okay, now we'll accept Netflix movies in all the different categories, but oh, everything's back to normal. But they've so been, now fuck you, Netflix. The Academy's been fighting Netflix this whole time. I just can't see them not going but, back. No, I agree, but I mean, why submit it all 
if they're not going to just make it permanent. I, I think this has changed the game, and Netflix is in there now. We'll see. I don't know. I I I, I don't know. I and and I I don't. I'm not buying AMC. I with oh the, not for a second, not yeah. for a second. And if they do hold that stance, and Universal calls their bluff, then woof, boy, it's going to be more than just AMC that's fucked. It's going to be theatrical releases as we know it. Because I, I think those two franchises can put up some pretty big fucking numbers that they released on a Friday on a VOD. Yeah, but I'll be honest. I I would be really interested to see that. Me as a purist, it's like I don't want to fucking watch Jurassic World 3 for the first time in my house on my 42-inch Samsung or my 60-inch Hitachi or whatever the fuck, you know? Oh, agreed, agreed, but you will. Yeah, I will, but I don't want to. That's not the experience that I want. So, you know, I mean, that's just me. No, I would, I, I would rather, like, given the choices, I would rather things stay the way they were, you know, but wow, I still would be fascinated to see, like, what kind of numbers they'd put up. I imagine there's a lot of families, especially if they've got multiple kids who can't afford to go to the movies too often. But if you if it's only twenty dollars and then the whole family gets to watch a movie at home, I think that opens up a lot of extra revenue for these distributors and for the studios, and that you might see theaters become more of a novelty. Uh, I know, like like me personally, uh, for summer movies, I don't go to any of the major chains. I always go to the drive-in because I like that experience. But I don't know. I, I think there's just too much money to be made. If you if you turn if you turn um, studio movies like in, like the theater, if you turn that into like a boutique experience, I think you're looking at increased movie ticket prices, and I'm not looking forward to that. I agree with you, but I could see things going in that direction. Yeah, it's very possible. It just all depends on how long social distancing is a thing, you know, to really answer the question of what the theaters are going to look like post-corona. So if buying a brand new movie on VOD is 20 bucks, imagine what the price would be to see it in the theater. 30, 35? What, no, what about if I'm you, sure. What if you're in New York? Are you, are you purchasing a ticket for $40? I don't, I don't see how one that much like directly affects the other. I don't think they can charge. I don't think anyone's paying thirty five bucks to see a movie as a single ticket user. I, you got to keep in mind that twenty bucks. They know that more than one person's going to be watching that movie. Like I don't know. I mean, maybe the prices will raise a little bit, but I don't think by that much of an increment. I don't know. I, I mean, you're going to have less people going to the theaters, so like they got to figure that they're going to be selling less concessions. They got to make their money up somehow. They've got to turn it into like this kind of like boutique experience that you're only going to get there. Like, so I mean, look. I mean, I'm just thinking of <laughs> if you can watch it at home or watch it in the theater. <sighs> it's theaters are going to have to think about how, how they're going to survive. 
I just no, and I think the majority of people are gonna choose to watch it at home, especially with how popular social media is. Like now, we can all like fucking live tweet Jurassic World three at the same time when it comes out. You know, it's not like you can sit in the movie theater and be on social media talking about. Then the movie. we're basically putting movie theaters out of business at that point. I mean, that's yeah, that's what's happening. That's why. That's why I'm saying like the. You know, if you're if you're making it, and 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 I see that if that if that does happen, and a bunch of movie theaters go under, the ones that do survive would have to like raise their would have to raise their prices of their tickets. I mean, yeah, and I think a lot of what would happen too is um, they'd stop so much playing new releases as like classic theatrical movies. It might be what happens to movie theaters, you know. Hmm. Like you're going to see classics on the big screen that you have never seen on the big screen before. I think there's going to be a huge fight before this all happens. We'll sit with between movie studios and I mean, Universal's looking at the numbers. They're looking at the money side of it and they're just thinking to themselves, well, fucking our Trolls movie, the sequel made three <laughs> times the amount and we were able to take home 80% as opposed to 50%. Why are we not doing this? Then I mean, just look at the look, look at the numbers. Yeah, exactly. It seems like the only one that loses in that scenario are the theaters. Like, what to what does Universal have to gain by just not releasing all these movies this way? And, and that might be an easy decision for them to make if the theaters are already so broken by the time this is all said and done. Uh, yeah, I don't so, know. You, I mean, think of a world where you can't pack a movie, you know, that we have to have all these theaters at 50% or even 30% or less capacity. I'm, so that's already going to lower revenue. Just, I'm just, I'm worried about not ever use, I, I miss going to the theater and I miss like using my AMC A-list. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. No, no doubt. I, I miss it too, man. I miss the fucking popcorn as outrageously priced as it well, was. I fucking love it. Our local theater, the Avon, which is like the the local theater here, they were selling popcorn today. Yeah, that's awesome. I've seen quite a, a few of the chains doing that, like curbside popcorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a bag here, so. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm, yeah, it's a great way to donate to the theater, even if you're just going to dump the popcorn out. It's, you know, keep those right. places in business. That's why they're doing that is so they can survive through this. I don't think that there's a Knight's Drive-In Theater, which is um, in Springfield. Um, I'm going to see if they're open. They were supposed to know by the end of the week if they were able to open. I wonder if they've updated it because, like, I am fucking dying to go, to go see a movie. Nothing, nothing. Oh, you fuckers! This sucks. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing, nothing. They don't know. That sucks because I, I know that. I guess, I guess some drive-in theaters are open, but uh, in Illinois, apparently, we're not, we're not there yet. Yeah, no, I'm I'm surprised that the drive-ins aren't open yet. Uh, yeah, well, they're typically open uh, in April on the weekends, and then once May hits, like they're open seven days a week. Um, news from we're talking about 
Jurassic World, the uh, Jurassic World three, uh, Dominion is the title of that one. Uh, Chris Pratt has announced a new charity sweepstakes and auction related to Jurassic World Dominion as part of the All In Challenge. All In Challenge is like the new thing, Jack. All In Challenge. You get to mm-hmm. you get to like it's like a sweepstakes. You get to like you know if you you can send as little as ten dollars and you get ten entries into this fucking thing. But one lucky winner and one lucky bidder will win an appearance in the upcoming film. An appearance where they'll where they're guaranteed to be recognizable and eaten by a dinosaur on screen in scenes that will not be cut out of the movie. <laughs> I like how they have to specify that. that no, that's <laughs> fucking awesome. Like, who would that not? That is fucking awesome. Who would not? Like, who would not want to be eaten by a fucking dinosaur in a fucking Jurassic World movie? Like, you could take that to your goddamn grave. I was in. I was in Jurassic World Dominion, and I was eaten by the fucking uh, the genetically altered Tyrannosaurus Rexosaurus. Yeah. You know, on top of how awesome it is, it also gives me a lot of hope for how much fun Jurassic World 3 could be because if they're willing to do this, you got to imagine lots of people are going to be getting eaten in this uh, Dominion movie. I hope so. I like I'm I, dude, these movies are a guilty pleasure for me. These I don't give a fuck. I fuck Harmon, did you watch any of these? These new ones? Oh yeah. What are your thoughts? I want to know your honest thoughts. Just be honest with me. They're just stupid, fun background movies. <laughs> like, they're not cinematic masterpieces or anything. Yeah. But they're fun. Like, it's dinosaurs, you know, destroying shit and eating people. What's not fun dude, about that? <laughs> dude, dude. It's, if, I think for Jake, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you hide, you, you hold the first movie in such high regard that anything else that comes out is just like bullshit. Yeah, they might as well be the Lost Boys sequels. Like <laughs> you, you son of a fuck! Um, <laughs> I thought Jurassic World uh, had its um had its appeal. I Jurassic World is probably my favorite of all the sequels. Um, I did like seeing the fully realized theme park opening, running with customers going about doing their thing. There's a lot to enjoy, I thought, in the first Jurassic World. Dude, um, that, I thought the second one, though, was an absolute pile of garbage. I love, oh my God, that first Jurassic World movie. Oh my God. I love that movie so much. I Like, if I'm watching TV and I see it pop up, like, oh, it, oh it's on TNT. Well, shit. Dude, I fucking, I bought the deluxe, like, gift set. That came in a Jurassic World lunchbox. <laughs> it comes in a fucking uh, tin Jurassic World lunchbox. I open up the lunchbox. There's the movie. I can watch it whenever I want to. But here's the thing: when fucking when when they're out there and they're and they're fucking and he's he's on the motorcycle and he's got fucking all these raptors following him that he's trained from when they were little baby raptors and he's on his motorcycle that fucking what was that that that, that uh, what do they call that bike is that an indian yeah i oh, think I'm he had an indian that. yeah yeah it was an indian and he's fucking on that bike and he's fucking and then uh fucking the the, the, <laughs> the raptors the raptors are like in their fuck you know what i mean in, in the in the jungle and shit and they're following him and you can <laughs> they're fucking in the in the in the jungle and they're following him 
and then they fucking come across the the the, the fucking uh, D- uh, Indominus Rex, and then we find out that they used Indom they used Velociraptor DNA in the Indominus Rex, and it starts communicating with the little Velociraptors. And you're just like, and then they look at the humans and you're just like, oh shit. They done fucked up again. They done fucked up. Exactly, exactly. Fucking, you got Ian Malcolm fucking, you know, fucking, you know, barking at your ear and shit. You hear him yelling at you like, yeah, nature finds a way. Yeah, fuck off. Um, but then, uh, at the end of the movie when that fucking gigantic, uh, I don't even know what it was called. Dilophosaurus or whatever the fuck it's called. That fucking uh, aquatic dinosaur fucking eats that fucking uh, Indominus Rex, pulls it under. Oh, God. I fucking cheered. I fucking love that movie. I love that movie so fucking much. I love Jurassic World. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I fucking love that movie so much. And I enjoyed the second one. I enjoyed the second one quite a bit. Enjoyed the second one quite a bit. So I'm gonna love the third one, Jake. It's just, these are guilty pleasures for me, Jake. I don't give a fuck. I'll be there. I, I'll definitely watch it, and I have high hopes that the third one will be better than the second one. And I love the second one. Felt so straight to fucking video for me. Oh man, that second one. I I don't own it, and I should own it. I wonder if they made a lunchbox for that one because I'll buy it right now. <laughs> I've been drinking. <laughs> it was enough. the matching thermos for the first one? <laughs> oh fuck! I didn't get a thermos. Ah, those sons of bitches. Oh, man. Hey, and... Did he give it to you in the uh, Barbasol can from the first movie? Oh, God, the Barbasol... Yeah, the the fucking uh, Barbasol. Barbasol. Yeah, the shaving cream can with the embryos. Yeah, with the the eggs, the embryos. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was was Newman. Yeah. Yeah, the first Jurassic Park is, like, my favorite movie of all time. It's, really it's an amazing it. movie, and it's still so good. Oh, it's fucking amazing. Yeah, every time I watch it, every five years or so, when I pull it out and watch it again, I, I like it even more than I did before. And I have said this on the podcast before. Gonna say it again. I, I like Jurassic World better than Jurassic Park. Oh, God. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I am that guy. I am that asshole, Jake. You are definitely that asshole. Dude, 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 seriously. I should be taken out to a field and beaten within one inch of my life, right? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely some sort of punishment. (laughs) At the end of the day, after it's all said and done, I should be able to look at my body and there should be some scars left after that, right? Yeah, you should remember the beating for the yeah, rest of your Oh, lives. yeah. There's like a reminder of my, like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like. <laughs> you'll, you'll have that forever limp. Right, right, right. Right, right. Yeah, like, um, somebody like slices my fucking Achilles tendon in half and I got a limp for the rest of my life. <laughs> Everywhere you go, people will know, oh man, he likes Jurassic World more than oh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah. People throwing rocks at me and shit. <laughs> like the scarlet fucking letter. <laughs> I got the scarlet letter and shit. <laughs> oh boy! Oh man, I gotta. I, anytime I move into a new neighborhood, I gotta fucking knock on the door and let them know <laughs> that, I, that I like Jurassic World better than Jurassic Park. Like I'm a pedophile. Oh man, you walk away and the shutters instantly go up. Yeah, 
Yeah. They they <laughs> they fucking hold their children tight when I knock on the door and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck. Yeah. Anyway. News from Deadline. Animated Transformers prequel activated. Hasbro's Entertainment Studio E1 and Paramount have quietly hired Josh Cooley, fresh off winning a Best Animated Film Oscar for Toy Story 4, to direct a big-scale Transformers theatrical prequel that, sources said, focuses on an origin story. It takes place on Cybertron, the planet from which the good guy and bad guy robots come uh, came. I love I love how they break. <laughs> I didn't know robots could come like that. I like how they break that down. Planet of Cybertron, from when the good guy and bad guy robots came. They came from a they came <laughs> from a planet called Cybertron. Good guy and the bad guy robots. This good guy, good guy robots and bad guy robots, and they come from a planet called Cybertron. Yeah, no fucking gray, no gray. There's here. no gray heroes in fucking Starscream. Was kind of a gray character later on, though. If you want to get technical, Starscream was a good guy for a while, bad guy for a while. I mean, Dinobot changed from a Predacon to an Optimal. I mean, that was that shook my like seven year old brain. There you go. There you go. It's it's not so cut and dry. Deadline. <laughs> it's not so cut and dry, Deadline. I don't know who is fucking writing this shit. But fucking. Not as some GoBots fan, it sounds like. Yeah, it sounds like a GoBots fan. GoBots <laughs> is for babies. Um, the film revolves around the relationship between Optimus Prime and Megatron. Uh, the script was uh, written by Andrew Barr and Gabriel Ferrari, the scribes who did production work on Ant Man. And were the credited writers on Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, the film is separate and apart from the live-action Transformers film series and the Bumblebee spinoff. And uh, those movies continue on a fast track. So yeah, we got we got a uh, Cybertron. Looks like a Cybertron Transformers origin story animated feature here, coming from uh, Josh Cooley. Now I'm down for that. I I like Transformers. I like animated stuff. I think. The best Transformers that I've seen have always been the animated series, so I'm hoping that it does well. I'm with you, man. Did you, did you, hey, what'd you think of Bumblebee? I never saw Bumblebee. Fuck, shut the fuck up. You, dude, you gotta watch Bumblebee. I know. Is it good? J- I, I love it. I feel like it. you would love it, Harmon. Harmon, it's got, uh, Haley, uh, uh, what's her name? Haley. From, yeah, Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld. Yeah. I know Jake doesn't like her. And so going in, Jake already had like, uh, already had fucking, he had hate for this because he doesn't like Haley Steinfeld. But. Yeah, that combined with why not just get the fuck away from the Michael Bay stuff completely. Like a little bit of prequelitis going on here that I didn't The only prequelitis that was going on is because Bumblebee looked the same. Dude, this movie starts off on Cybertron and Optimus looks like G1 Optimus. That's cool. Dude, it's, dude, you gotta watch. You've gotta watch fucking Bumblebee. At least, at least just watch the first fucking 10, 15 minutes when they're on Cybertron. After that, you can turn it off if you want to, but I fucking love the entire film. It's fine. It's fantastic. I thought it was, and it's got the same director. Have you ever seen Kubo and the Two Strings? Please say it. Oh, I love Kubo. Same director. Same director. Okay. Same director. Travis Knight? Travis Knight. No, no. Travis, Travis something, right? Travis something. Where does that come from? Is that is that Czechoslovakian something? 
Hmm. Now I'm looking it up. I'm kidding. Um, um, something is not a last name. That was my joke. It was terrible. Oh, oh. yeah. Uh, no, Travis. Is it Travis Knight? I'm trying to look it up, but fucking director's not showing up. Yeah, Travis Knight was the director. Okay. Hmm. I was thinking it was Randy Travis, the country singer. <laughs> Randy Travis. <laughs> <laughs> he had a really long face, right? Randy Travis has a very long face. Him, his face, and Sarah Jessica Parker's face were in a race one time, and they still <laughs> are trying to figure out who won. They're still <laughs> racing. Oh man, yeah, Randy Travis. He kind of scares me. Randy Travis. What was it? What was it? What, what was the song he was known for? What is a Randy Travis hit? Oh, oh man. man, my mom used to uh, listen to Forever Randy. Never Amen, Three oh, yeah. Wooden Crosses. Yeah, I mean, I grew up on that that '90s country. So, oh, Harmon, I'm so, dude. We're I'm totally we're making some Randy Travis jokes, and Harmon over there is fuming. It's all right. I wasn't gonna tell you that he like stroked out or anything. Did he? Oh my god, did he? Oh yeah, like he he can barely talk now. Oh my god, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I got Harmon's laughing, laughing most of all about this. Oh my god, it's terrible. The We're situation just... here made me laugh. Not Randy <laughs> Travis's condition. Please tell me the situation. Are you talking about the guy from Jersey Shore, or did he stroke out too? Maybe. No, he's just in jail, probably. Oh, okay. Probably. Oh my, I'm sorry, Randy Travis. I'm so sorry. I feel so bad. Oh my god, he stroked out. He can barely talk. Oh my yeah, what god. an iconic voice, too. That is sad. Yeah, I know. And we were just, we were like, we could. I mean, we, all we were saying was that his face was long. That's not. That's not too. Uh, no. Not too harsh. No, I, I like things have been said on this show. <laughs> I true. I like a lot of people with long faces. Arsenio Hall has a face that goes on for days, right? I mean, that thing. You know what I mean? It looks like you know, like uh, you know, like when you're on like one of those like a Microsoft Paint, and you can like stretch things or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it just like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Arsenio Hall's face. It just like somebody like stretched. It. He looks like a goddamn conehead sometimes. That thing just like goes on for days. Randy Travis, right there, right there with you. Sarah Jessica Parker, she's like you could fucking Harrison Ford could land a man, maybe not Harrison Ford, but somebody maybe solely no, Harrison, <laughs> Harrison Ford could not land a plane on her fucking uh head airstrip. But I think like maybe like Sully could. It's like, you know. What couldn't Sully land a plane on? Eh. Oh my god, he could totally land a plane on Sarah Jessica Sarah Jessica Parker's forehead. <laughs> <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> this is dumb. This is great. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Cody the Tiger over here. They're great. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, uh, oh, in no shit news, Nolan is why Tenet isn't moving from July. This comes from Dark Horizons. Uh, while almost every movie has fled the release schedule until the end of summer, if not well into next year, one film is holding course Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Jake, what do you think about this, man? Is Tenet actually going to debut in mid-late July? Is it going to happen? I mean, Nolan is so pretentious that I'm going to say yes. He would release this movie to empty theaters if that's what it took. So, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the whole thing is so weird. Like, I don't know what Nolan's going to do. I, 
I'm I'm also I agree that it's no shit news that uh, he is not changing the date as of yet. I feel like it's going to come down to last minute. But yeah, I, I'm not I'm not sure what's going to happen here. I'm going to say yes, it is going to come out. This article goes on to say, uh, is the big budget film risking people's, uh, worth risking people's health by pushing for cinemas to reopen? A big proponent of theatrical exhibition and the collective human engagement that comes with it. Nolan himself appealed. I was talking to my, to my dad about this today. Hold on. I'm going to read the rest of this article. I was talking to my dad about this. My dad called me. We were talking. And I was like, yeah, the new, the, the, the biggest new movie to come out that they have scheduled is Tenet from Christopher Nolan. And I told my dad, I said, I'm, I'm, I, I said, I think I'm willing to risk and go out and see this movie if it, if they still have it in July, Jake. I don't, I don't know how I can't. No, I, I agree. And I mean, doesn't Mulan come back? like the week after and that's where it was already pushed back to because of Corona. Yeah. We're looking at Mulan. And then I think after that, maybe wonder woman, 1984 Mm. closely following this, but in a recent earnings conference call with IMAX CEO, Richard Gelfon, it has been revealed that it's Nolan and not the studio who is the one pushing for his film to maintain its July release date. And not be delayed. Uh, Gelfand says, I don't know anyone in America who is pushing harder than Chris Nolan to have the theaters open and to have his movie released in July when it's scheduled for. I mean, I don't know who has more power when it comes to that. Is it him or is it the distributors? I mean, I know he could want it as bad as he wants to, but... If the distributor doesn't want to distribute it, yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of states are, are already starting to like reopen stuff like that. Yeah, they're saying that you can reopen stuff like that, but are the theaters actually going to reopen? I mean, I don't want to be the theater that reopens and then gets a fucking lawsuit because somebody says, "Yeah, I got fucking COVID nineteen from going to see whatever the tenant opening night." Yeah. Yeah, and again, I wonder if we're not going to be filling these theaters to capacity for a while. Right. And how that's all going to work. Yeah, I imagine they would definitely be operating at reduced occupancy. Dude, they got to do like at least like a six foot kind of thing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure they would require masks and gloves and the whole shebang. Oh, totally. And I I don't know. I'm sure there's people who still wouldn't want to risk it even come July. So how do you sell, how do you sell soft drinks and popcorn and other like nachos and all that stuff when people are wearing face masks? That's a good point. I guess you just don't. Yeah. (laughs) Kitchens are closed. Yeah. That's wild. I can't imagine seeing an over two hour movie without being able to get a drink. I do it all the time, dude. Oh, well, you're a fucking pro. <laughs> <laughs> that would be rough. I, even if I don't buy a drink, I would, I, I sneak a bottle of water in. Oh, I'll do the same. I'll sneak something in. So, yeah, that's crazy. It's gotten to the point where, like, the trailers were dry now, too, right? Because everything's just been grinded to a halt. We're not even really seeing trailers for new movies now at this point. No, like, they were talking about, like, a new Wonder Woman trailer coming out soon. I haven't seen that. 
Andy Serkis was teasing the Venom trailer. Haven't seen anything come out of that. The newest trailer. Yeah, movie trailer. Oh, I want to talk about a trailer that I saw. And if you want to look it up real quick, you can. Harmon, I think you would love this show. It's it's coming out. It's coming out, I think, June 12th. And it's a show called Crossing Swords. It's a medieval. It's a medieval show, and it's from the producers from Robot Chicken. And it's it looks like stop animation, but like the characters in this look like those little Duplo characters. So not Lego (laughs) characters, but they look like Duplo characters. And it's like okay, dude, it's TVMA. It's dragons and magic and fucking sex and curse words and dude it looks like D meets rick and morty or something it's fucking it looks pretty fucking hilarious it's called crossing swords it's coming to hulu it's going to be hulu exclusive it's coming out june 12th so google that fucking trailer people it looks pretty fucking funny yeah i'm looking at some screenshots from it now and it almost looks like they're like little wooden Duplo figures. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you pair that with the adult humor that, you know, Robot Chicken is known for. Yeah. Uh, they might have a hit here. This, this looks really interesting. It looks really funny, dude. I, I watched the trailer. When does that come out? June 12th. Oh, wow, real soon. Yeah, I think all the episodes hit on June 12th on Hulu. It, it's called Crossing Swords, and it looks really good. I, I watched the trailer today, and I was like, I think Harmon would love this show. So. I mean, this sounds like it's right down my alley. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, fucking Chris Nolan. I mean, I don't know. It's like... I think he's holding on to that date because he's, like, he's really worried about cinema. And he's like, he has, he's been a, like a big part of like this, you know, um, he's appealed to Congress to aid cinemas after they were forced to close their doors and once, you know, once basically them to kind of get like bailouts and stuff like that if they need it. So he, he's, he's really, he really pushes for the theatrical, theatrical experience. But like on the flip side, it's like, is is July a little too soon? I think we we have to do what's best for for people and for the for health concerns. Because like I'm, dude, I'm I'm. What's fucked up is like I'm willing to put my health at risk to go see Tenet in July. <laughs> it's I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna sit here and lie. Like I'm I'm going. You know like. I'm going out and like when I do go into stores, I wear a mask and everything. But on the flip side, like I'll fucking wear a mask and go watch Tenet. I'll put my health at risk, and that's a fucked up thing. I need to, I, I, I need someone to control me right now. Yeah, there's no way Nolan would release shit on VOD until everyone has to. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. You guys ready to take a? I'm <laughs> ready to take a break. <laughs> no, always, always. All right. Oh my god, always. <laughs> I, I was thinking, is that a Randy Travis song? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Sounds like it, doesn't it? He, he can't sing it anymore. He, he can't even say it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let alone sing it. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god, that's terrible. Yeah, it happens, man. It's the circle of life. It moves us all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who else has got a long face in Hollywood? Jay Leno. Now he's got a big chin. I don't know if that. That's just he's just got like the. He's just got like a fucking crow magnon chin. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I know what you mean. I don't know if that makes him. Like, I don't. I don't think that necessitates like a long face. He's just got like a ridiculously like you know. Ele- he's got elephantitis of the chin. That, now, that's an apt description. Yeah, I'm looking for. I'm looking for long face. Arsenio Hall, Sarah Jessica Parker, Randy Travis. Who else has got? Who else is rocking a long face? Uh, Julia Roberts. No, I was going to think the guy that she was fucking uh, dating there for a while, back in the nineties, the singer. He's got a long face. Remember him, doofy looking guy. <laughs> doofy looking guy. I don't know who you're talking about. Oh fuck! Ah shit. What was his name? She was dating a doofy looking guy for a long time. The singer back in the 90s. I gotta fucking look this up. It's driving me crazy. Yeah, all right, let's get the Google. <laughs> See, I'm looking at Google now, and according to Long Faces in Hollywood's Google search, uh, Lisa Kudrow from Friends is on that list. Really? Lisa Kudrow? But I think it's more that she has, like, more forehead than chin. Hugh Laurie is on the list as well. Oh, the the house guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Maybe instead of house, he should have been on a show called like uh, High Rise or (laughs) 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 Skyscraper. (laughs) Skyscraper. (laughs) Because his face is so long. Julia Roberts' boyfriends. I'm looking them up. Hold on. What's this? What's this motherfucker's name? What she dated? She dated. Uh, oh yeah, here he is. Here he is. Here's this guy. What's this motherfucker's name? Oh my god! Come on, Jesus Christ! <laughs> the suspense is fucking killing me. Lyle, oh, I'm like, I need to know. Lyle, love it. Oh, yeah, he does have a long face. Yeah, you remember Lyle Lovett? Yeah, I, I could not tell you a single song he sings. Uh, me either. I feel like his claim to fame was dating Julia Roberts. He should have been singing a song like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm banging Julia Roberts. With my long... His number one, his number one song on Spotify is covering You've Got a Friend in Me from Toy Story. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty yeah. sad. He's no Randy Travis, that's for sure. No, he's no fucking Randy Travis. There's a section called This Is Lyle Love It, and there's four songs. I guarantee the only way he got her into bed is fucking reading the lyrics to Marvin Gaye's sexual healing. He was begging her. Right? Yeah. I mean, they both have long faces. Who's got, who's got, uh, Julia Roberts got a long face? Yeah, you don't think so? No, not really. Like, look at her face compared to his. His face looks like, like it looks like, looks like he's been like out in the sun and melting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a wax statue. 
<laughs> Her face is more like a raised ranch compared to a skyscraper. Okay. Like, it's slightly taller. It's not a small face. She's got kind of a five head, I always thought. I want I want the podcast where Lyle Lovett, Julia Roberts, and all these long faces get the rebuttal and talk about the way we look. That's what I want. That's what I that's what I want to hear. <laughs> yeah, I'm down. Here we are, here we are judging these people for their long ass fucking faces. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean they get what they get. They're in the Hollywood spotlight. That's true. They deserve this shit. That's what you that's what you get for being famous, you famous fucks. You get fucking you get fucking Z list fucking podcasters. <laughs> yeah, wear a fucking hat and make that head look smaller. Yeah, no shit. Why don't you fucking have yeah, have a what are these Hollywood plastic surgeons shave off about five inches off your fucking face? Mm. I know. Forget the nose job. Forget the nose job. Jesus Christ! Fucking get a have 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 somebody fucking file your face down. God damn your face! Jesus, it's ridiculous. Harrison Ford's trying to land planes on your fucking forehead. (laughs) (laughs) He can't, but he's trying. Uh, he's persistent. He's persistent. Let's take a break. How's that sound? Oh shit! I thought we were on break. <laughs> no, we're not. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> old school. Damn, these beats are so fresh. Snap. Harmon, this episode is brought to you by what drink are you drinking? I am drinking Faysberry by G Fuel. <laughs> by Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> For only the most elite gamers in the leftover army. There you go. There you go, everybody. If you want it, seriously, if you want the full experience of this episode, go out and buy yourself some Faysberry. Or not. It's intense, man. There's some caffeine and taurine and B vitamins and zero <laughs> sugars. <laughs> I'm going to play World of Warcraft for 12 hours when we're done recording. You know it's legit when it's got taurine in it. Oh, shit. Are you on that classic, Harmon? I was for a bit. It uh, it took me back. Now you're just playing the re- and you're like, fuck this. I need full strength war. <laughs> I moved on to Final Fantasy 14. Oh, there you go. Because uh, you, know, you can make cute cat girl anime avatars in there. So, all right. So <laughs> that's seriously lacking in a while. It is like I know what I'm about. <laughs> I got a question for you guys. Laura Dern, when she was in the movie Mask, and she's feeling feeling Eric Stoltz's fucking Easter Island looking fucking head in that movie. We're still talking about one. <laughs> So when she's when she's feeling his Easter Island looking fucking you know Rocky Dennis face, how long do you think it takes longer to feel that fucking face or Lyle love it? Hmm, it's definitely gonna be a, a it's gonna be a photo finish. Oh, so it's down to the wire. Yeah, I don't think there's a clear winner here. 
Harmon, you're going to be the tiebreaker here. I don't know, man. Lyle Lovett's face, though. <laughs> I think it might win. I think it might be just a hair longer. Do you think? How many times has he heard in his lifetime? Why the long face? <laughs> oh, over over ten thousand. Easily over ten thousand. All right, there we go. Hey, it's time for Marvel news. Marvel news. There's the proper long long face news. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, Beta Ray Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a BoJack Horseman review. <laughs> uh, did the dialogue leak from an upcoming Venom Let There Be Carnage trailer? I sure fucking hope so. I got to read this for you. <laughs> I got to fucking read. Hold on. Where's this fucking Venom script? Let me pull this shit up. Oh, come on. Pull the fuck up. Here we go. Here we oh shit. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. This I got this I got this off of Reddit on the I think like on a on a fucking leak site or some shit. And it goes on to say, so I got this from a really secret source. I don't know if it is real, but it sounds awesome. Take a look. And I'm telling you guys, like it does <laughs> like it does sound awesome. Hold on, I gotta read this. The trailer begins with a talk between Venom and Eddie on a black screen. Venom says, "Do you know we do you know we made a mistake, right?" Eddie, "Yeah, I can tell." Venom, "Something even more dangerous has just come." Eddie, "Let's save the world one more time." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god we see we see fast frames of eddie running on the streets getting chased by police cletus is looking from his car he starts to chase eddie as well he catches him then chokes him cletus where is he eddie he left my body we see a flashing fast frame of venom and eddie getting dramatically separated Anne is looking for Eddie on his house, but it is it is completely a mess. She looks at a corner and sees Eddie almost dying. The screen goes black. We see a funny scene from Eddie sticking posters around the city with a drawing of the symbiote. If you see a moving, ugly black bugger, get away from him, but call to Eddie Brock. Then the screen goes black. The screen slowly fades in as we see Cletus in what seems Eddie's house. Cletus says, let's start the carnage. (laughs) We see fast frames of venom jumping around a night city. A fast look of carnage's back and head. Venom is saving people in a messy city. Eddie is falling from a really tall building. Then Venom bonds with him in the air. We see Eddie and Venom talking face to face. Eddie, we're going to need help. The scene dramatically turns to black as it shows vet the Venom 2 logo. We see a really funny scene of Venom moving Eddie's body just to force him to steal a chocolate bar from the market. The trailer ends. <laughs> <laughs> This sounds so fucking amazing. 
I, I hope that's real. I hope it's real. I mean, and people will be like, oh, that sounds stupid. That sounds stupid. People listen to this, they're like, oh, that trailer sounds stupid. Do you remember the first trailer? The Turd in the Wind? You remember that shit? Oh, how could you forget? How could you forget Turd in the Wind? So if that is real... This, oh my god, I hope this is the fucking trailer. I hope it is ridiculous as shit. I really can't wait for this trailer to drop, and I hope it's real. Because I'll go see Venom 2 in theaters. I'll wear my mask, I won't eat popcorn, but I'll sit down and I'll watch it. Yes. Yes. Oh my god, it sounds amazing. It sounds like they really doubled down on kind of the best stuff that worked in the first one. Just the over-the-top cheesiness of it all. Oh, my God. Let the carnage begin. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The uh, the Avengers writers address uh, those underwater tremors from Endgame during a quarantine watch party from comicbook.com. Uh, they were asked, was Okoye's message about dealing with underwater tremors by, quote, leaving it alone, a direct reference to Atlantis and Namor. And here's how they answered. Remember how we heard that this was bullshit? Like, oh, it had nothing to do with Namor. Had nothing to do with Namor. Oh, I remember them saying it was bullshit. Well, this is what the writers say. So I guess, like, the director said it's bullshit, blah, blah, blah. The writers have come out and said, quote, sometimes you plant seeds, sometimes they grow. Dude, it's fucking, it's definitely, it's definitely, it's definitely fucking Namor. Yeah, I agree. They're not going to just come out and tell you what it is and give you the setup for future movies. They're going to wait till they can go, ah, look, it was planned all along. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, go back and watch, what is it, Age of Ultron, where they were looking at a map and they showed, like, vibranium or something in Wakanda, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you see right. that? Did you see that Avengers: Age of Ultron was trending on Twitter today? Yes, I did. <laughs> At one point, number one. I'm still saying. I'm still saying. I don't care if people are coming out for their love for that movie today. I still say that that movie is a toss. It. It's fucking trash. It's fucking trash compared to the first Avengers. Fucking trash. Don't give a fuck. Yeah, it was really, it was really wild seeing it trending on Twitter. People were just like really rallying behind what a great movie it was. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm Ugh. nowhere near in your camp where I think it's utter trash, but, but yeah, the test of time, I don't think it's been great for it. I think if anything, all these years removed, it's a worse of a movie than it was then. Yeah. Well, hey, Harmon, Avengers Age of Ultron, what would be your rating on that movie? Probably like a low taste. It I saw it in theaters and I haven't seen it since. It like it was okay, but it's not something I'm gonna you know. I don't own it. I'm not gonna go buy it. It, it was just a movie. Oh my god! Like uh, dude, when I fucking I watched it the first time, I was like, did I really not like that? And then I went and saw it again, and I was like. It confirmed that I didn't like it. I, it was nowhere near the level of Avengers. Now that first Avengers was such a good movie, and <sighs> so it had this good. great buildup. Yeah, and uh, so good. Yeah, Age of Ultron didn't really do it for me. The Russo brothers did a live stream, and this was pretty interesting. I 
let me just read. They teased that they could eventually come back and direct another MCU movie. Hmm. And then Robert Downey Jr. added, quote, the people will move us toward what they want. And so a lot of people were speculating after that, like, could Tony come back in some capacity? And man, I, Jake, for as much as I love Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, I mean, I don't know, unless it's like a flashback or something like that, I just don't want to see Tony come back. It was just kind of like the perfect kind of like ending for that character in the MCU. But like on the flip side, it's like if, if his career post, if his career post Marvel, is any indication as to like like how it continues for this guy? I can't see him not wanting to come back. Like Doctor Doolittle, think about that. You know, I mean, if it yeah. just continues yeah. to to be what I don't know, man. He, I'm in your camp though, where I would hate to lessen the impact of Endgame by doing something like that. I know it's comic books, and in the actual like comic books like no one ever stays dead for too long right but i don't know the movies are different and until they just do a full-on reboot i kind of want them to stick with this mm-hmm. yeah i'm right there with you i'd let him stay dead i think it makes for a better story overall and then when they finally do a complete reboot and you have however many movies are in this version of the mcu it'll make it a richer story for it yeah but there's always that there's always that they can always do something to where like you know like an alternate universe now they're 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 introducing different multiverses they can always do something where like not the tony that we knew from our universe but like a different Tony could come back for a special event. Like we could get an Iron Man from a different universe to come and, you know, take part in, 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 in another film. I mean, that's, that's a possibility now, now that we're looking at, you know, Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness being like, you know, one of the upcoming films, like, I'm not saying this is going to happen within the next five years, but I'm saying, like, within the next decade, this could happen. You know, I, I firmly believe that Chris Evans will reprise the role eventually of Captain America. I think that that will happen. I agree with that 100%. Um, and more than just, like, a flashback. Like, yeah. I, I think he will be back in the modern Marvel universe. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that character, they've shelved him for a little bit, but I think he will be back. But like Tony coming back, like the Tony that we know that died, maybe not, but then we could get a, like we could get a multiverse Tony to come back for one special event or something. I'm not counting it out. I, I don't think it'll be the Tony that we knew that we watched, you know, through the events of Iron Man 1, 2, and 3 and, you know, the Avengers films. But, like, we could get another Tony from a different universe. And they drastically change, like, what the suit is. And it might be a completely different AI other than Jarvis. But, like, we could see Robert Downey Jr. reprise this role 
And I guess it really kind of depends on the trajectory of his career post Marvel. Yeah, if there's a couple more Dr. Doolittle level flops, then I completely agree with you that that would kind of give him the recipe to to want to come back. And I'm sure if he said, hey, fuck it, I want to do 12 more Marvel movies, that they're just going to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, because if he does reprise his role, that's going to get more butts in seats. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that's the kind of thing you could easily see them doing for the next like big Avengers tentpole event movie because obviously something of that caliber will happen again within the next decade. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of thought that that would be where we'd see Cap's return and not so much Tony Stark's. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's weird that Robert Downey Jr. I guess like I guess you could just say that Robert Downey Jr. was saying that the people will move us toward what they want. And I guess you could just say, oh, he's commenting on the Russo brothers returning and doing another Marvel movie, which I guess they're not saying 100% no that we're not going to do at this point, which, you know, after Endgame, it felt like it was their Endgame for Marvel. But it did feel like a swan song for them. Like they were like saying goodbye to this, you know, as we know it, the MCU. Yeah. Uh, possible WandaVision leak, and it comes from someone on the internet on imger.com, which is like, have you ever gone there, Jake? It's like, I don't, I don't know, just like a bunch of. It's like a photo sharing photo website, sharing isn't it? Website. Yeah. yeah. Whoever posted this, English is not their native language, and they used Google Translate, so I'm going to read it the way that it was posted. But apparently this person worked on WandaVision, and it goes on to say, I am working on an effects team for the next Marvel WandaVision show. I don't know much about superheroes, but I'm a big fan of what I saw in this show. There are some really fantastic psychedelic pictures. I worked on several scenes focusing on mainly on the formation of fractals from the surrounding area. For example, the scene where Catherine Hahn grabs Wanda from the reality she finds herself in. And it was Brady Bunch's pastel from the 80s, which they put 80s. That show came out in the 70s, I believe. But anyway, and from the real world which is dark and chaotic. Another scene in which Kat Dennings dresses as a cleaner and Dr. Strange forces her into an astral project. I think they mean astral projection. So she can exit the role she was housed in. The show seems to be half sitcom, half blockbuster. The last and last scene was their living room and their kids but everything exploded, seeing many different versions of Vision, their children, Randall Park, Wanda yells and explodes with with different dimensions and red lights. So that last thing that they say, we know Randall Park, we've seen him show up in the Ant-Man movies. Um, and then... Uh, Wanda yells and explodes with different dimensions and red lights. We know that Wanda basically like we've seen like her her magic like kind of like give off a red glow. 
And when they say she explodes with different dimensions, and we know that this is going to lead into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, like, it, when this person says they don't know a lot about superheroes, I 100% believe them, trust me, from reading this. But, like, on the <laughs> flip side, it's like they're saying some stuff here that definitely could line up with, like, what we're going to get in the show. Um... I don't know. I don't think it teased a whole lot, but on the flip side, God damn it. I, w- I wish I could just sit this person down and be like, what the fuck did you watch? <laughs> because, because I want to know more. I really want to know more about this show. Yeah. It just seems like one of the craziest of all the future Marvel projects, like just all the different stuff we've, we've heard and seen and knowing that it's going to be a lead in to the Dr. Strange movie in some way or form. Like, I just don't know what we're going to get with this thing. It could either be the greatest thing ever or just a giant mess. Yeah. I happen to believe, oh, God, I happen to believe that this show is going to be mind-blowing. But then it's like, how are they going to do this show and make it so that you can go into Doctor Strange and watch that movie and have a complete understanding of what's going on in the second Doctor Strange film? without having seen this. Not everybody has a subscription to Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I feel like with the MCU now, they just kind of like, for the most part, they're they're done worrying about whether or not you kept up or not. They're just assuming you have and just going balls to the wall with the continuity and canon. Like, yeah, I don't think a good it's point. Gonna, yeah, I mean, Endgame proved. I mean, it made so much goddamn money, and it's a movie that, largely makes zero sense if you haven't watched all these previous movies. Yeah. So what do they give a fuck now? It's, you know, you're going to catch up because you have to, because this is the biggest thing going. I can't argue that. I can't argue that, but. Oh God. I just, it's just, it's, it just blows my mind that like, they're going to be tying these shows in. I want to see how, I got to see how integral they are. Like when we first get our first series, which is this, you know, this winter soldier, this Falcon and winter soldier series. I want to see how integral this is going forward within the MCU. Like, is it, is it connected in any way to the black widow movie, you know, or is it, or is this just like, post or is this or do the ripples of what happens in the mcu is that what affects these shows because yeah i I mean we we've been we've been told this kind of shit before i mean obviously you're led to believe it more with you know knowing the production and who's in charge but i mean we've been told this shit when the netflix series first started when agents of shield first started and both those examples kind of fell on their face when it came to actually tying into the movies Yeah, but, like, I want to know, like, if, like, what creates the ripples? Is it the movies that create the ripples? Because I feel like with Winter Soldier and Falcon, the Falcon and Winter Soldier series, that the movie is creating the ripples here. Like the, I think it's going to go both ways. I think the TV shows are going to play almost like post-credit scenes sometimes. Where they're, like, a look into what's going to be next, but not a complete necessity to have seen. I think it'll okay. almost be like a transitional period between one movie and the next. 
I think, uh, I don't know. I think there's a little bit of both. I, I see, I, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like, I feel like Endgame created ripples for Falcon and Winter Soldier. You know, because at the end of that movie, we had old man Cap basically saying, yeah, Falcon, you're fucking, you're, you're the, the new Captain America. Here's the fucking shield. Go for it. And then, yeah, but, but the question is, is will that show do a handoff to something else? Like we know WandaVision will be doing. That's exactly, exactly. Because I feel like WandaVision is going to kick off Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. And I feel like in the multiverse of madness is going to have connections with fucking, you know, the Loki series as well. And yeah, I, you know, I dig. It, it feels like Winter Soldier and and Bucky is, or in Falcon is kind of an epilogue and not even an epilogue really, but just kind of an afterthought where these other shows are, are, are preludes. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, interesting. I don't know. I think in, I think in a perfect world, they want the baton to keep going. They want the movie to hand the baton to the TV show. And then they want the TV show to hand the baton to another movie and then back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. I mean, that's what they want. Be- Absolutely, and it keeps people engaged, and it keeps them thinking about the franchises. Well, and it sells Disney Plus subscriptions, big yeah. time. Yeah, and they got to have high hopes, I think, after the how well received Mandalorian was, and how you know how that really captivated people, and that really took over social media. I mean, I think that sets a high bar for these Marvel series, even though you know Star Wars and Marvel aren't connected on that continuity level. Yeah. It still kind of sets a standard for how popular and, you know, how pop culture a show can be. Yeah. And if Winter Soldier and Falcon achieves anywhere near the level of, you know, awareness that the Mandalorian did, then yeah, they can easily spin that off into other movies and other Marvel shows can do the same thing. Dude, they've got, I'm, I'm, I, I am hyped for the Falcon and Winter Soldier series. We've got fucking, Wyatt Russell is playing U.S. agent. Like, I, I have really enjoyed this actor, um, Wyatt Russell. Yeah, uh, that's a fan favorite character of mine too. I, I fucking love U.S. agent. Well, Wyatt Russell is the son of Kurt Russell, which is just like, when I found that out, that kind of fucking blew my mind. And I've loved every, he was in a Black Mirror episode and I thought he, he stood out in that episode. It's one of those episodes where, uh, he, uh, goes into like a, a virtual video game of a haunted house and it was a really fun fucking episode. And then, uh, he was in, uh, I, I'm wanting to say he was in Overlord and yeah, it was Overlord. I loved him in Overlord. I, I think he's great. I'm looking forward to that. So, and he's going to be U.S. agent. Um, so I'm, <sighs> I'm, I'm, I've got high hopes for it. I've really got some high hopes for this fucking Falcon and Winter Soldier series. I'm hoping it's going to be like on par with like all the other Marvel stuff that we've gotten from Kevin Feige. Most of the Marvel stuff that we've gotten from Kevin Feige and, and especially on par with like what we got from like the Mandalorian. So we'll see. We will see. I'm really looking forward to it though. I, I, oh God, that's what, that's what's like, that's what's fucked up about like this coronavirus is like, these shows and like their releases, like I feel like their releases are kind of like dependent upon the releases of like the movies when they're coming out in theaters too. They still want to time these correctly, you know? Yeah. Maybe in the long run, they won't plan as far ahead because of this event. 
you know, maybe that's something that this will kind of teach the studio is that maybe you don't want to map this out six years in advance. Like on paper, yes, but I don't know. It's just, it, it does seem like a very difficult thing moving forward getting all the timing right for all these TV shows and movie release. I mean, that's why we're already seeing so many movies being kind of flip-flopped around well, on, we, their, on their release dates. We were supposed to get fucking... Okay, so WandaVision was going to tie in with the Doctor Strange movie, and we were supposed to get WandaVision next year, early next year. They were going to give us WandaVision now. They were going to push it. Uh, they were going to give it to us early, and we're going to get it at the end of this year. Of this year, but now Disney's pushed back Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness again. They had shifted it to May of 2021. That was the original date. They sh- they they changed. They they were we were going to get it May of 2021. They were going to push it to November 5th of 2021. It's been moved again. We're not getting. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness until March 25th of 2022 now. Uh, yeah, wow. And, and production and filming of the, the TV shows has halted as well, right? Like, they weren't done with that stuff. Oh, no, they weren't done. Absolutely not. Yeah, that's a long gap between the, the show and the movie. And I think a lot of people... Like they're the the diehard fans are gonna watch it as soon as it comes out, but there are a lot of casual fans who they they'll eventually watch it, but they're not gonna get the connectivity the same way with yeah. such a big gap. I will be super surprised if they stick with the with the late twenty twenty for Wandavision. I'll be super like I'll be super surprised if we're not if Agreed. we're if we're talking yeah because we're looking at. Basically, like a year. <sighs> Fuck, we're looking at almost a year and a half before we get the, the Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. After they fucking, if they drop, if they drop Wandavision in the fall or winter of this year, it'll be anywhere from a year to a year and a couple months before we get fucking, you know, the follow up, the lead in. You know, a six month wait would be yes, I think okay. Yes. I think that would be a sweet spot because that would give casual fans enough time to you know watch it at their pace, right? Um, but anything longer than that, it just doesn't it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Oh, real quick, I I I forgot to. Where did I have this? I I, I apologize. I thought I had. Oh, I watched. Um, I listened to. Excuse me, and. Uh, I got this news from comicbookresources.com, the newest audiobook collaboration between Marvel and Serial Box features super spy Black Widow as she goes on a quest to retrieve a vial of her blood. It's a 14 part story. It's called Black Widow uh, Bad Blood. It's released, it released its first two parts and Future installments will be uh, will release weekly. I think it, I think they drop on Tuesdays. The first two parts were free, and you can t- you can purchase the entire series for ninety nine ninety nine. I think like remember like when the Logan thing came out. What was that called? They had like the the Logan thing. The 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 Stitcher. Had, I, know, I know the Long Night. The Long Night. Yeah, they had like a Marvel the Long Night, and it was a Stitcher Premium thing. Serial Box. It's it's spelled S E R I A L. 
not like like fucking you know like not like tricks and shit. Yeah, not like fucking fruity pebbles. Cereal box. It's 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 an app you can download on your Google or whatever the fuck Android and you know Apple device. It and then and then they have all this like uh, exclusive these exclusive kind of like audio podcasts that you can listen to and they 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 dropped it's called Black Widow Bad Blood and uh Natasha Romanoff follows the trail across the globe um someone stole her blood and she she follows the trail across the globe she discovers she wasn't the only target whoever is responsible stole Bucky Barnes blood too and one thing is certain anyone who wants the blood of the widow and the winter soldier needs to be taken down and fast and so um I'm, uh, I've listened to the first episode of this and, uh, it's decent. I'm gonna give it a taste it so far. I, I, the first episode is like 29 minutes and the second episode is like a 19 minute thing. You can download the first two for free on Serial Box and give them a listen. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm gonna listen to the second episode and see if it's like worth maybe the 990, 9.99 to, to continue with this story. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're not getting the fucking Black Widow movie, but if you want more Black Widow content, it's, uh, it's called Black Widow Bad Blood. And, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's decent so far. I'm, I'm not, I haven't been blown away. I do like the interactions that Black Widow has with Nick Fury. It feels very, I, I think the woman that's narrating this really kind of like gets, it's like the comic book relationship between Black Widow and uh, and Nick Fury down. I really like that as opposed to like, you know, the movies where they really don't dive into that kind of stuff. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's called the Black Widow Bad Blood and it's on Serial Box. I, I just want to let people know that this is a thing that's out there. And if they're if they're really wanting some new Marvel content, you can uh, you can check this out. So is that more like an audio book where it's just one person or is it like a full voice cast, like an audio drama? It's one person. So she does the voices okay. for Nick Fury and like any other characters that might pop up in this. So, okay. yeah, when you're when you're first introduced to Black Widow, she's she's been uh, she's been basically taking on the identity of someone else and living their life. And so she's made some friends, some very dear friends that she's that she's made um, over the course of like however long, uh, however long she's been uh, uh, undercover, and um, and it's it's interesting to hear like her thoughts on this and and how it was nice to to take on like this identity and be able to like you know form some relationships because you know, she's basically she doesn't get that you know. She doesn't, right. she doesn't have, she doesn't, mm. she doesn't, she's not able to, to be a super spy and then still go out and hang out with the gals and just have a girl's night out. And, and here she's being able to, she's undercover, but she gets to have those girls nights out, like that girls night out. And it, it's, it's really important to her. Um, she finishes her mission, but she still wants like a week, um, to kind of like wrap things up. By the end of the first episode, she's out with the girls and they're, and they're spending some time together. She's really tired. She's drinking a little bit and she feels like somebody has drugged her. And so she kind of like, she, she wakes up in an alley and, um, 
and she doesn't she doesn't feel like herself. So I, I don't know if she's been injected with something. She was uh, her mission at the beginning of the uh, of the first episode was to find kind of like uh, somebody has been uh, developing something to where uh, it's an injectable or something like that where people uh, get kind of like superhuman strength and she battles kind of like a, a superhuman that's been injected with. So I think, I think they call him the shark. Reminded, I kept thinking of King Shark in my head. So she's battling a guy that looks like a, <laughs> like a shark or something like that. But uh, I, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent like sold. Like this is a must listen. But I think it's 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 good enough to to where I'm gonna listen to the second free episode and see if it if it if it does get better. I'll give it a taste it overall. And at the end of the day this could be fantastic. But yeah, it's called Black Widow Bad Blood and it's on uh cereal box. That's cool. If it's if it's anything like the Wolverine one, if you give it about a year, it'll kind of be just everywhere else for free too. Yeah, that's true. Because like Stitcher Premium kind of didn't that kind of like die out or something? I mean, it still exists, but I think it was more of a they had exclusive rights to it for X amount of time, and then once that was over, you could pretty much get it on every platform. Yeah, let's move. Okay, to, let's move into DC news. Let me. I'll play the fucking bumper. It's been a. I don't know, it's been a few weeks. Here we go, hold on. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. You remember when this whole coronavirus thing started? Like when uh, people started going fucking nuts over uh, toilet paper? No, yeah. I will never forget. So I went out, I went out. And, you know, I had toilet paper and I had flushable baby wipes. I have the flushable toilet wipes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I had that shit on hand. But, like, on the flip side, is like I knew I was going to run out of toilet paper. So, like, I went to the store and they had toilet paper there. And it's not the brand that I typically get. But I got some toilet paper and it was, like, a four-pack. And it was the cheap-ass one-ply shit. You know what I mean? Like, this is the shit. Oh, yeah, like fucking gas station bathroom yeah. toilet paper. This is gas station. Bottom of the barrel. Here's yeah. the thing about one-ply toilet paper. If you fold it, it's two-ply. But anyway, it was one-ply toilet paper. And so I bought it just because it was toilet paper and it was there. It was at the store. And um, so I had that. But, like, there's this whole thing. Like, so, like, now I'm I, – I, but since then, I've been able to buy Cottonelle. And that's nice. Cottonelle is a nice toilet paper. I've been using that. It's the first time I've ever used Cottonelle, and it's nice. It's got like ripples in it. It's like a, it's like a Lay's potato chip with the ripples. But you're wiping your ass with a potato chip. It's it's a fucking beautiful thing. I love Cottonelle. It's top, nice. top of the line. It's top me. of the line. It's very nice. It's got like the ripples in it. It's like you're wiping your ass with with uh, with waves, like with with like the ocean. Um. But, uh, um, anyway, I was thinking to myself today, I was thinking to myself, like, people that have bidets don't have to worry about, like, you know what I mean? If you have a bidet, you don't have to worry about the toilet paper. You got a fucking, you got a, you can, you got, you got a fountain just, you know, fucking going nuts on your butthole, right? You're good to go. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe we'll see an increase in bidet sales when this is done. I think you're right, but I also wanted to throw this out here and relate it to DC news. 
that I think that Aquaman can create a bidet no matter what toilet he's ever sitting on. Right? Oh, that's easily. a good point. When he, the trident that he holds, he can, with, when he uses the trident, it can control the, the water. It can mani- manipulate water, right? Oh, I figured he would just call a dolphin to blow fucking water up his ass. I was thinking like he's fucking sitting on the toilet holding the trident and he can just fucking create a bidet <laughs> to fucking wipe his ass for him. Yeah, probably. That's fucking, you don't even have to install a bidet. You can just fucking hold the trident and fucking just like command the power of the water to fucking take care of your ass in that very moment. It's a beautiful thing. We mocked his powers for so many years. Little did we know. Little did we know that during the coronavirus, (laughs) toilet paper, he don't give a fuck. No, he's way ahead of the curve. He was way ahead. Oh, my God. Do you think Green Lantern would wipe his ass? Do you think Green Lantern could wipe his ass with those Green Lantern, like the Green Lantern power? Like the Green Lantern, like he could fucking wipe his ass with the Green Lantern power? He could create, I don't like, see why not. He could create like a fucking hand that would just wipe his ass with that Green Lantern power. <laughs> I don't see why not. Why wouldn't he just create a green roll of toilet paper? Couldn't you do that? It's fuck yeah, it's fucking genius. Where does the shit go? Mm, that's a good question. Where does the poop go? I mean, where does all the green shit go? It's in the ring. A- oh, it goes back in the ring. Oh yeah. Jesus, you gotta boil that motherfucker every now and oh, again. God, now you got shit in that thing. I <laughs> <laughs> think it's not hygienic. <laughs> that ring is spreading the coronavirus. Oh my god. Mm. Oh, did you? Yeah, they were worried about that. They were worried about oh, like farts. Yeah, do farts spread the coronavirus? Yeah, I read that article. Like if somebody has corona <laughs> and they fart, like can like you if you get crop dusted, do you get that shit from breathing in somebody else's ass air? That's pretty hilarious. Yeah, I know the uh, the smell of a hostess fart does not transmit coronavirus. It does not. The only thing it transmits is the craving for fucking hostess treats and bread. (laughs) Something no one is immune to. No one's immune to it. It's (laughs) Oh my god. Walking into one of those hostess bakeries as a child, even as an adult, and I've done this as an adult, walked into one of those I don't think that the, I don't think I still have one in my. Oh my! I don't think I have one in my town anymore. Do they exist anymore, Harmon? The one that I went to is closed down years ago. Oh god, that's a that's a goddamn shame. It is now. It's a transmission shop, and, and I guarantee those smells aren't nearly as wonderful. No, they are not. Oh my <laughs> god, Jake, you're missing out. I know it's not. I know. I I, I, go back in time. I know. I wish you could go back in time too and just smell the smell, the wonderful smells (laughs) that 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 only hostess could provide. I know, and I know you're not going to die if you don't smell those smells. But this is a memory that I'm going to carry with me. I'll probably be on my deathbed, and I'll probably ask someone to open up a fucking 
box of Twinkies before I go on into the next life. I just want to smell that again. I know that's dark. I know that's dark. But yeah. Maybe heaven will smell like a hostess bakery. Mm. That's only if you pay for the fancy VR one, though. Oh, yeah. Back to the, uh, what was it, upload? <laughs> oh, yeah. You got the in-app purchases. You got to watch that fucking show. It's really good. Um, Oh, shit. DC News. What do we got? Oh, yeah. Oh, they're doing a spinoff. Patty Jenkins did talk. Remember we talked about a possible spinoff where they do a, a Themyscira movie, a Wonder Woman Themyscira movie? Yeah. Yeah. Patty Jenkins did talk with Total Film Magazine. She revealed that uh, there's an arc that I have in mind for the first movie. She, she's Yeah, she's basically saying that uh, um, there's an arc that I have in mind for the first movie and then the second movie and then the Amazon movie and then the third movie. So one thing she's pretty adamant about is that despite creating the concept for a spinoff, she has no plans to helm it. I'm not going to direct it. Going to really try hard not to. It's not going to be easy, but uh, blah blah blah. Jeff Johns and I came up with the story, and we sold the pitch, and we're going to get it going. I'll produce it for sure. So yeah, she's. It's weird. James Wan is not going to be directing that uh, trench movie, but this is kind of like the same thing. Aquaman was very successful. Wonder Woman was successful. They're going to be doing a spinoff here, a Themyscira movie with the Amazons. And then uh, James Wan Aquaman movie was very successful. They're going to be doing a movie about the trench, about that fucking, those uh, monsters that show up, you know, in that fucking movie that have no eyeballs and just like the teeth and shit. <laughs> I still couldn't make it 15 minutes into Aquaman before turning it off. Really? Yeah, it, it was fine enough. It, I gave it a taste. It's a fun movie. Jason Momoa, uh, water. <laughs> but that's that a hell is. of a cast. <laughs> Kevin Costner's in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny Depp's abuser. Johnny Depp's abuser. <laughs> Harrison Ford is landing seaplanes all over the place. <laughs> What a movie. <laughs> you guys are killing me. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, uh, it's funny. Um, yeah. So an Amazon movie. What oh, that's what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, about it, that. Yeah. I, know, I always thought Themyscira would be a cool setting for like a, a long form TV show more so than a movie, but. I don't know. It's got potential. I mean, you can make it on the cheap, right? I mean, like like this trench movie, how much is this shit going to cost? They're going to do this Blumhouse style, right? Oh, for They've sure. They've got to. Yeah. Uh, that's. I mean, they're probably going to get, you know, no big name director to do this. Probably some, some guy that's directed half a dozen TV shows to come in and try to get his big break, you know? Yeah. It'll make, <coughs> excuse me, it'll make a fuck ton of movie though. Uh, a fuck ton of money though, because it's like, it's DC related. People don't want to see it. 
you could make it on the super cheap and still make a fuck ton of money. Yeah. Put that shit on the uh, DC universe if that still exists. <laughs> it does. It does. Wow. Mm. There is um unverified Black Adam plot leaks from DCEU uh, from the DCEU subreddit. I don't know. I you know I'm not going to go over this shit. I'll fucking I'll post the the I'll post the the link to it in the show notes. How's that sound? I love it. That works for me. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's cuz I'm probably not going to watch it anyway. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 a Black Adam plot leak from DCU subreddit and it's from IO Captain 123. If you if you're interested, The Rock is going to be playing Black Adam. If you're interested in uh in these uh spoilers, I will uh I'll post them in the show notes. There is um there's a bunch of rumors though that a bunch of JSA members are going to be showing up in this thing. Hawkman might be showing up. That's all I'll say. So, and it looks like the and I've read multiple rumors that the villain is going to be Doctor Fate. So, hmm. yeah, what twins that going to come out? I mean, it feels like we've been talking about this movie for four or five years. Mm, yeah, they've been postponing this one for a while. They're getting closer, though. I mean, I mean, they've got the Rock. I, I, I think it'll, I think it'll happen. I imagine it would because this is it has been talked about for a long time. Yeah, and, and with someone like The Rock is the, the main guy. I mean, yeah, and you can't Sh- go wrong. And with it being connected to Shazam, and Shazam being a success for them, I think it'll I think it'll happen. Yeah, I could see that working in its favor. Shazam was a success, and I agree with Harmon. It, it's The Rock. It's not like they don't. They've got as long as he doesn't drop out, this is good to go. Yeah, and as long as Disney doesn't buy Warner Brothers, it'll happen, just like the Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum Gambit movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's hey, that is our episode. That's all I got, guys. That is it. I've got nothing else. I'm spent. This went way better than I expected it to. Did it? It was know. a good episode. It was good. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to go so far as say it was good, but it went way better than I expected. Oh, God, yeah. It could have been a nightmare. Eh, it's a little taste it. Oh, Harmon, you were awesome as always, sir. Oh, man, it, it is always a pleasure to be here and talking with you guys. And thank you for having me again. Congratulations on seven years. That is fucking insane. Yeah, we should have stopped at five. I mean, but thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> He's not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's just going. It's going downhill. It's going downhill. Like I don't know. I need podcast Viagra. I need to get hard again. I don't know what's going on. We'll throw some Marvin Gaye on. That'll. I think that, movies that in the theaters. Viagra. Movies in the theaters will be podcast Viagra for you. Yeah, that'll be nice. I need something. Christ. I need something. Jesus, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah, I I agree. It is ridiculous. I. It'll be nice to just fucking see a movie again. Absolutely. Yeah. Harmon, thank you so much. Where can people find you? 
Yeah, if you guys want, you can check out the Brute Force and Ignorance, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. We're on a bit of a break right now because the world is on fire. Uh, but we we will be coming back relatively soon. And there's a I think there's like sixty some odd episodes for people to go listen to, uh, chronicling two main different stories about adventures in Dungeons and Dragons. There you go. Check it out, people. Guess what, everybody? I'm, you know, fuck it, I'll tease it. Uh, probably getting a bonus episode this week. I'm not gonna tell you, I'm not gonna tell you what it is, but you're probably getting a bonus episode this week. It's probably gonna happen. I, I'm probably recording something tomorrow. That's exciting. I'm, I'm excited. As soon as tomorrow, too. Good shit. Yeah, I'm recording tomorrow morning. And you'll probably get, I'll probably drop the episode maybe Wednesday or Thursday. If you're lucky. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I'll tell you guys what it is when we go on, when we end the show here. But. Oh, I, I believe I already know. No, you don't. Oh, it's something different. It's something different, yeah. Oh boy. That hasn't, right. that hasn't been confirmed yet. I'm waiting for that one. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting to hear back on that one. But I got, I got something confirmed tomorrow. Awesome. I'm all excited to hear. Yeah. Let's fucking end this thing. Let's end this bitch. Uh, just like all good leftovers. Uh, how's it go? What did I say? <laughs> that was a good, that was a lot. Don't ask me. Yeah. Just like all good leftovers saying the doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with episode 332. See ya. Laters. Adios. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste. Do we love it? Hey, let's make it clean. Erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushed over. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are originally good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the poor kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover, pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids. Since they've already been dead Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers
love it. Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. The band that's singing this pop culture leftovers.